Today, it's the return of the Stern Show's favorite medical expert. Love this guy. Artificial intelligence or AI is going to enable us to care better. Everyone's going to be able to do this, and it's really going to improve care across the country. So that I'm excited about. Dr. Agus. Messing around with that AI yesterday. I said, I wrote to it and I said, give me a punchline to why did the chicken cross the road other than to get to the other side? And it came up with an answer. It was like, okay, like within a second it went, um, he wanted to prove to the possum that he wasn't playing dead. And I was like, what a oh fucking boy. weird what a weird sense of humor. But all right, it was an answer. I, I was like, you can't stump that thing. It's fun to play with. AI. I'm all about AI. Artificial it's the new buzzword. It's the new buzzword. It's the new buzzword. <laughs> yeah. Good morning, everybody. Hi, babe. You wanted us all to be a buzz. Right. AI. AI. Uh, everyone is a buzz. New buzzword. All right. I'm going to write to the AI today. Tell me what to say to my mother to get her to cheer up. I'm dealing oh, with should- that, of course. You should have it talk to your mother. Be sympathetic. Uh, Hello, Ray. You are <laughs> suffering so. You, you, you uh, should not suffer anymore. <laughs> yeah, my mother. I, I got saved. I got saved yesterday. I, I told you, my mom. The latest thing is my mom's apartment got flooded. I is guess she the still neighbor- out of her apartment? Well, that's what I'm going to tell you. My my mom's uh, neighbor's pipe burst. And uh, this, which, of course, water got in her apartment. It wasn't so horrible. I mean, but it was enough that they had some of the people, their apartments got flooded and it was really bad. She got water in the hallway, so it's damaged. And they immediately moved her out to a nicer, real nice apartment on a different floor that had furniture and everything. It was like a model apartment that they use. Dry and clean. Dry and clean. But, oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> and this was last hers. this was last week like on monday or tuesday and i told you everything was going really well with her and then all of a sudden this and she was freaking out and, uh so when i spoke to the building uh the manager he said that uh, they'd probably get her in by friday before the weekend you know last week oh. and um they didn't they you know they couldn't the, you know, they got to do the work. They got to get drywall. Got to contra- do the work. Like you got to uh, do the Ness work. Says. Yeah. And so they they were in there working on the place. And, um, you know, they're not ready yet. So it's not such a catastrophe in that she's in a nice apartment. I mean, she doesn't have her own things. I get it, you know, but she can go, you know, the, the aide can go upstairs and get her stuff. And uh, it's but, not so foreign. No. To her, it's not crazy. because yeah, it's 
in the same building, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it's a floor below they put her for the time <laughs> being. And, you know, so I knew uh, yesterday I got her on the phone and she was uh, winding up to let me. I go, I called the aide. I go, how bad is, how bad are things there? <laughs> and she said, nah, you know, she was like like being cryptic. But I realized she was in the bathroom with my mother. And my uh, mother goes to the she bathroom. She couldn't really like, talk. Even when my mom goes to pee now, it's like 25 minutes. I don't know what goes on in there, but it takes her forever to get in and out of the bathroom. Uh, so I said, how, how bad is, uh, how bad are things? I mean, I mean, she goes, it's nothing. I mean, it's not that. I said, is my mother being a real pain in the ass? Is she carrying on? She goes, mm, we're in the bathroom. It's hard to talk, but, uh, you know, and then she went like, you know, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, like my mom's freak out. So I knew my mom was freaking out. I let her go to the bathroom. I call her back and she was just winding up. I go, mom, calling to, I hear you're not back in your apartment yet. How, how, what, what mom? How, I, uh, I'm suffering. I'm suffering. It's horrible. It's horrible. What can I say? It's horrible. I don't want to complain. And just on I don't want to complain, the doorbell rang. It was my sister coming in Oh, with my niece and my brother-in-law. And all of a sudden she goes, uh, um, uh, oh, Ellen's here. Ellen's here. Do you want to talk to her? <laughs> I go, uh, yeah, anything. But, they, you know, because I was like, oh, this is great. Like, oh, I don't have to hear it. The, a distraction. Yeah, because it was about to go into, <laughs> oh, it's horrible. I'm suffering. And like even the aide told me, it's it's fine. I mean, it's, 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 it's inconvenient, of course. You like to be in your own place with your own things. But, you know, it's a very comfortable apartment. And, right. Uh, you know, but my mom ain't having it. And then she always says, with all the money you're paying here. You should be able to stop a flood. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and I go, Mom, you know, and by the way, that just debilitates me because I am paying a lot of money where yeah. I, I mean, it's I pay a fortune. I can't even I, I'm embarrassed to tell you what I pay. You'd be like, you got to be kidding. And 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 so, you know, when I hear she's that, I'm still hardly happy. She's never said. Oh, no. Uh, no. I'm having Here's a what great I day. No, what I want to hear is like, <laughs> I, I just thank you so much because what would I do if I was in a private home or a, a horrible facility where they had no other apartment to put me in and the way they helped me right away was wonderful. You know, that's what I'm waiting to hear. And instead it's like, <laughs> with what you pay here, I mean, when we moved in, we said these pipes are going to birth. Like, like she's clairvoyant. I go, uh, Mom, <laughs> I have an apartment in Manhattan. It's a it's a lovely building, but shit happens there, too. Pipes yeah. burst. Things happen in buildings. They get older. She don't want to hear. Listen, they've got to have upkeep here. When we had a private residence, we had to do upkeep, and you had to invest and put money into the structure i mean what is this they get enough <laughs> money and the food is horrible and i can't take it and believe you me i'm suffering i'm suffering horribly i mean um yeah i know like the people in ukraine you've got a lot in common with them that's right that's, this is worse than when the russians invade another country
<laughs> I mean, you know, I, it's true. What I pay, I could send, I for what I'm paying over there, I could send my mother to the moon and back with one of those <laughs> rocket ships that uh, Elon Musk made or Jeff Bezos. But um, funny how you don't hear about that anymore. Remember for a while that we send them William Shatner into space, sending everyone into space. Well, now, Bezos is doing that as a private citizen. He, you know, he did that yeah, a couple of times. They know that works. Now it's they're going to work on, no, they're going to work on um, longer expeditions. I mean, you would think they'd have that already. With all the <laughs> money Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk put into rocket ships, you would think we could go somewhere. But they haven't. You know, it's always they. They haven't done it. And uh, she, why doesn't she do? She, I love the they people. You know, they know what everybody should be doing, but yeah. they don't do anything. This is worse than the earthquake in Turkey. I read about those poor people, but I haven't been back in my apartment for a week. So I had the chat GPD, and I typed in, "Give me uh, some ideas on how to cheer up a ninety-five-year-old woman." I thought it was going to say, find a 95-year-old guy to fuck her. But it was like, um, one, spend time with her. Well, I said, oh, I'm not doing that. Oh, Two, that's a bad idea. <laughs> then it, you got every idea was bad. It goes, spend time with her. Okay, forget that. Bring her some treats. And I went, oh, no. Oh. Oh, what are you bringing food here for? Who's going to eat this? I don't eat this stuff. Then it said, bring some flowers. And I oh. went, oh, flowers, don't bring flowers. Remember, you used to send me flowers for Valentine's Day, and all we got was bugs. I don't know where you got those flowers from, but my whole house was filled with bugs. <laughs> you gave me an infestation. <laughs> and the next day i uh, was a uh, share stories like oh i'm not doing that your father loved you believe me but i don't know what happened with you too oh my father was horrible he threw us out <laughs> but, um, uh, but, but, but mom uh, uh you know um one thing i remember is you love me so much as a boy little boy who knows what love is oh boy <laughs> i don't know that i've ever loved anybody mom uh, uh can you tell me that story again about when you what, what you only had one pair of underwear <laughs> we only had one pair of underwear my sister had one pair and i had a pair and we had no toys. Well, maybe we should share a different story. What about Grandma Rose? A whole family was wiped out in the Holocaust. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Yes, it was horrible. I remember I went to see her. She was on her deathbed, and she only spoke in German. And she was talking to all of the people who died in the gas chamber. Well, Ma, maybe we shouldn't. Uh, let's see. I can't bring you flowers. Don't bring me flowers. <laughs> and no chocolates. I don't eat all that. I have plenty here. Well, hmm. I don't know what to do.
Bing and then is it out said, of, or chat GPT is out of a suggestion. Well, well the, the, the other one was crazy. It was like, give her a massage. I remember I oh. went over to my mother. First of all, my mother has like a bar on her bed. So if you try to uh-huh. sit on the bed, it hurts your legs. And then, so my mom's had swelling of the feet. So I went over and I tried to rub her feet. Don't do that. Don't rub them. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> I swear to God, I tried every one of these things. This is share share some laughter. <laughs> yeah, I have a good laugh. And the doctor looked at you when you were born. He said, "Oh my God, he's smiling like a mongoloid." <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, mom, nothing better than. Then sharing a few laughs. That's right. Ah, Mongoloid. And then you peed in the nurse's face. <laughs> You're right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, Mom, we had a lot of good times together. <laughs> remember. But yeah, I remember when you used to uh, clean my underwear in the sink. You had grit in your underwear. That's right. I don't know what would happen. You would have an accident. And I wasn't going to throw out your underwear, so I had to soak it so the grit would rise to the top. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, all right. And grit then would I'd rise take... to the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well, first she'd soak my underwear in the in the bathroom we all shared with my sister and her friends. And then, then my mom would go in with soap, a bar of soap, and rub it into the gritty underpants. <laughs> Right into that area. And I don't know. I, I, I guess she wanted me to see her doing it. And st- she wanted extra credit. So she'd stand there and go, my hands hurt. I'm rubbing the grit <laughs> and, and the pants. And she'd be like rubbing them like, like, you know, when those Stone Age women used to go right, down right. and do their laundry on the rocks. The rock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm beating your underwear against the rocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Oh. Sharing those stories. Oh, I'm on fire this morning. She didn't really say that she didn't know. She didn't even know if she'd ever loved anyone. I don't know. She was talking about my father and I was talking about this and that. He never said he loved me. You know, like that kind of stuff. Like she always wants yeah. my sympathy. I go, well, then what? What the fuck? <laughs> Your father wasn't like that. He was a good man, but he didn't express his emotion. But he, I never had to worry about him. I said, I know. I took a good look at him. I never had to worry about him. He went to work, and he was a good provider, and he came home, and he did chores, and he was a good man. He was smart. I I liked it. I liked him very much. All right. Well, it sounds great. Okay, got to go. Bye. Bye-bye. It's very depressing. Uh, another uh, chat GPT tip for dealing with a 95-year-old woman is listen and validate her feelings, which I do. Because, like, now I'm smart. Like, my wife said to me I should, um, you know, cheer up my mother. When she starts talking about how horrible the place is and that the pipe burst, I should just go, you know, listen, it's, it's, um, it's still a beautiful place and they're working. I go, no, here's what I do. My mother goes, I'm suffering. I'm suffering. I, I'm still not back in my apartment. 
And for what you pay here, I should be back in my apartment. They shouldn't have any pipes bursting. And then I go, you are so right, Mom. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's terrible. I'm so sorry you're suffering. I'm suffering very much. Would it help if you said, you know, there's some people who, you know, their apartments won't be ready for a month. Oh, no, 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 no. She doesn't <laughs> care about that. I tried that. I said, Mom, you know, other people, they had to move them out of the building. They had nowhere to go. They're treating you like a queen. They put you in the monophone. Oh, it's horrible. It's terrible. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Like, you're you're getting a... It's terrible. You don't know the suffering. And he said that we would be back in the apartment. Oh, boy. But I, you know what? I didn't get to hear the crying and bitching because uh, my sister stepped in, and which was yeah. great. And then I got to talk to my you sister. You find out when your sister's coming and just call then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Time it, right? I mean, it was like a miracle. All of a sudden, I swear to God... I get on, my mother starts going, Howard, Howard, Howard. That's when I know when I'm in for She just starts yeah, repeating my that's name. That's the wind up, Howard. yeah. Howard. And then sometimes she'll mix in my father's name. Ben, I mean Howard, Ben. Howard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've spent my whole life, since I'm a child, cheering up my mother, and I failed miserably because the woman is no happier. <laughs> I spent a lifetime doing an no unsuccessful what turn. You do. <laughs> now I know I'm in for it. And uh <laughs> I'm suffering and then ding dong. I heard in the background, ding dong. I go, uh oh, what's this? And then there's all confusion. Whenever my mother starts yelling to the air, Who is that? Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> You know, I, I go, Ma, take it easy. Give her a chance to answer the door. <laughs> oh, and then there's confusion. <laughs> you know, it was like when I was in Vietnam, when the helicopters came to pull us out of Vietnam. <laughs> I was saved by the bell. Uh, my sister goes, and I said to my sister, I said, Alan, am I on speakerphone? Yes. I go, can you, can you turn off the speakerphone for a second? Sure. I turn. I go. Is it so horrible there? This uh, she goes. It's fantastic. I wish I lived here. I go. Okay. <laughs> I should try to be positive with her. She's in a very negative space. So uh, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So that was my day. Look at I me. just sit and think that you know she must have been able to cover this up. What? Or- her attitude about life and her personality. Well, yeah, for a while when I was in high school, they had her on antidepressants. That was good. And then, she, <laughs> then, she de- then she decided she didn't need them. And that was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For a little while. <laughs> tell you, Robin, I'm on fire. I am a content provider. <laughs> quack, quack. Wow. Oh, yep. Uh, let's go to Richard, uh, Nevada. Nevada. Hey, for those of you living in Nevada, I saw in Vegas there was um, snow, a little dusting yeah. of snow. Yeah. Hello, Howard. Hello, hello. Yeah, I just hello, hello. A while ago, I got Richard Belzer. I was that retired bodyguard that called from Las Vegas. Yes. Hey, listen, I just wanted to say thank you for sharing about your mom. I just lost mine and took care of her in a home. 
And I just want to tell you how much it means to people like us that go through it and spend time. Because it means a lot the way you do it. And I feel <laughs> for you losing your Thank father. You. Yeah. Yeah, my sister's all, my sister was all bummed out yesterday. She was like, Yeah. I think about dad every day. I really miss him. Aww. I go, Oh, that's terrible. Uh, well, uh, actually, that's really nice. She had something to miss. Yeah. Well, I said, Well, yeah, she said, she, my sister claimed she had a, which is true. She had a very different relationship with my father. My yeah. father, but my mom did say something interesting to my sister, like, kind of like, uh, confirming that my dad wasn't so thrilled with me like he didn't like me so much so but she, oh my mom my won't say that to me now stop yeah. it yeah maybe so you're that was good exaggerating to hear. that a no. little bit no no <laughs> no i'm not exaggerating anything it's, it's listen i know my dad would my dad didn't really like me yeah uh, my father was the same way out a, a man who fought in the war from samoa so uh yeah, he was very hard on me, and I played college football and everything. I had to, never could please the man. And I yeah, I listen, you know, some of us did. have to admit we're not that great. Uh, no wonder my father was no, disappointed. No, no, that is not your fault. Oh yeah, oh it is. I, I know that. <laughs> my father was right. <laughs> you haven't spent that much time with me, like alone. <laughs> Uh, no, Stop no, I'm it. not great. Stop it. No, I don't know what I don't know what it was. Whether he was. Uh, jealous or not that there'd be anything to be jealous of i mean yeah Jesus how could he Christ. be jealous of a six-year-old well you want to know how i'll tell you how, how? Okay. i'll tell you how it works and it's a very deep psychological thing all jokes aside you know my father had a horrible upbringing when i say horrible there's deprivation in life and then there's deprivation yeah and he he was as deprived as it comes i mean the, it's you know dirt poor you know <laughs> They didn't even want him to go to school. It was just horrible. I told you he blew his eye out. He had a, he had a terrible fucking uh, childhood. And so when this boy comes in, and again, they're not conscious of it, but he takes a look at this child, and he sees, wow, he's got a mother and a father. He's got both eyes. He's got um, a father who supports him. They, they, if he wants music lessons, he gets music lessons. He gets... Look at this guy. What's he got to complete? I had a horrible life. Why didn't I get these things? Why, 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 why is this kid getting so much love from his mother and coddling and the, fuck him? Why don't I get that? Why does my wife coddle me? What? And then before you know it, you got a jealous parent. Now, uh. parents, parents, it is human to be jealous, even of your own children. That's true. But you got, Rob, yeah, but you got to have it in check. You got to understand it. Right. It's, a it's deep not the thing. greatest thing you could do. You could like, no. say that's a terrible thing for me to feel. What exactly? What you got to say is, it, not even put judgment on it. Just go. You know what? This is a feeling I have. I have it because of this, this, and what I didn't get, and I'm sad for what I didn't get. But I'm not going to take it out of my kids. And that's. But you that, can also work on. You know, giving yourself some things that you find right. that were missing in your life. Right. But, uh, you know, it's a very advanced concept. So you don't know. That's why there are so many people having kids who are so unqualified. I see them all the time. I see them with their children. They're horrible parents. They're just they're bad at it. They don't know how to set limits. They don't know how to really 
encourage their kids to think for themselves. And uh, oh, nobody's really mad. I don't think no, nobody wants their very, kids thinking. <laughs> no, it's very very difficult. And then they're threatened by their kids in terms of they don't want them to have negative feelings about them. It's a whole fucking deal. There was an epi- There was an article. There's an epidemic in this country of kids who are estranged from their parents. They want yes. nothing to do with them. And uh, you know, it's a thing. It's a thing. But you know, I know you see when some I was of th- estranged from my parents, you were angry at me. You were like, "You get on that phone and you talk to them." Well, you want to know I'm something? Like, I'm not doing that, Howard. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let me apologize. I wasn't evolved back then. I wasn't no, in therapy. You, you, you weren't. Yeah. No, I thought you have to. Uh, you know what? Uh, good for you because uh, your parent. No, oh, no offense. They were vomits, and uh, they didn't deserve your love. <laughs> uh, Robin's parents were no good. They were bad to the bone. Go for no, you. Go for it's you. impossible not to love a parent. And if they've been unkind to you, the best thing you can do is protect yourself. That's right. That's what I was doing. I wasn't trying not to love them. I just couldn't take them. You know, they right. were still the way they were. Yeah, I always could. You, well, the reason I told you to do that, I love my father so much and my mother. I love, I love the two of them so much. And I, you know, I'm very attached to the both of them in the memory of my father. But, um, you know, I guess what I was trying to say is, and I was saying this to my sister, I wish I could have known my father better because I was in love with him. I loved him and I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted to know him on a very deep level. All right, Richard, I got to go. Uh, thank hey, you for thank the call you, from Nevada. I just appreciate you guys so much. How ironic would it be, appreciate you, how ironic would it be that Ronnie moved all the way to Las Vegas to get away from the winters in New York and, you know, yeah. because don't forget, he, one, of the main, one of the main things about it was he didn't want to shovel snow anymore. So now he moves That's to right. Las Vegas, Vegas. <laughs> and they had snow and then Ronnie gets up, starts shoveling the snow and then he died of a heart attack shoveling the snow, but in Las Vegas, in now Vegas, that would be, yes. that would be a story. But uh, that didn't that, happen. Stop. Yeah. That would be wild. You didn't get Dude. a lot of snow, right? It was a dust. We got, we got, we don't get any snow. It's the mountains get snow. We don't get snow. Oh, all right, there you go. See, he's okay, Robin. Don't worry no about Robin. No snow. Okay. I stand corrected. You see, you might Cunt. see a little snowflake here and there, but that's it. it does, there's no snow on the ground. But you're not laying by the pool. No. All right. Listen, he doesn't need the pool every day. It's enough. Pool. Exactly. <laughs> the fuck. There's Vegas. Enough. <laughs> That's Mr. Las Vegas over there. That's right, run. Vegas. Rick's That's right. I'll never figure out how you moved there. You got your whole family in New York. Now, I told you, he should have moved to Florida where he could have been a two-hour plane ride to New York. So he could, you know, he loves his grandkids. But all right, this is what he yeah, chose to do. Listen, how listen. often do you see them now? Listen, my grandkids have their own life. They're older. Yeah. So they, what? They, they, they have no time for me. Uh, Even when I lived in New York, they didn't have time. They were busy. Well, you see them a little bit. You see them a little bit here and there. Dinners. You go to a dinner every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, true. True. But hey. Chris Wilding told me he saw snow in your yard. Stephanie posted a video. You had snow. That's what he said. Yeah, we see it, but it doesn't stick. All right. Fair enough. There you go. Ronnie's saying everything. The ground is too warm for it to stick. But the, but the mountains are covered in fucking snow. I mean, I look out my window and I see the mountains. They're covered in snow. Wild. All right, good. Go stare at a mountain. 
I will. I do. <laughs> can imagine what's going on there, but that's my boy Ronnie. What What can you imagine? What do you What do you mean? You imagine what's going on? I can imagine what you're doing all day. I have a good imagination, and I can. Ima I know you, and I know what you do all day in Vegas. I stare out the window, just like yeah, exactly. I did on the plane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Waiting for something to think about. Yeah, exactly. All right, but that's, that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. How you doing with the chicks? You're busy posting pictures. Someone told me the other day you were on a frenzy. You posted like 26 chicks. Yeah, well, yeah. if the people put them up, I, put, I you know, I, I retweet them. All right. It's Titty Listen, Tuesday today, you know? I went on oh, Mr. Boy. Skin. You know, I, it's funny. My day is uh, involved with chicks, too, like Ronnie. I went on Mr. Skin. I, you know, I've been reading articles about Riley Keough. Who is Riley Keough? She's the granddaughter of Elvis Presley. And I'm a big fan of hers. I used to watch her on one of these TV shows where she was naked quite a bit. The Girlfriend Experience. Yeah, great show. It was a great show when she was on it. When she left. Yeah, she had the best season, I think. And she got somebody on her, this girl, with the big titties and the skinny belly and the whole thing. Every, and now I, she's why, got Elvis's money. Well, uh, from what I understand, if you can believe what you read, the mother who just died, Lisa Marie, burned through that cash pretty quick. God but, knows but what But Howard, did. once the person who's spending all the money goes, that cash starts to mount up. Well, what I was going to tell you is now Riley Keough owns the rights to the Elvis, you know, so she'll be if she's a businesswoman, she'll be able to make money with it. Yeah. And then it said in the newspaper, Priscilla Presley was suing her granddaughter or somebody or suing the estate. <clears throat> she thinks she should be in charge of Elvis's shit. But, well, uh, she, look, you know, she had that long run of being in charge when Lisa Marie was a uh, little girl. She ran everything. And then Lisa got to uh, the age of maturity and took it over and didn't listen to her. So I think, yeah, I think that's what she wants uh, to do. Build it back up again. Well, anyway, with the chicks, I was telling Ronnie. So yesterday I went on Mr. Skin. I hadn't been in there uh, in a while, but I like to see what's doing. And I typed in Riley Keough <clears throat> <laughs> and uh, I had a good time. I For about a good 15 minutes, I saw every nude scene that she did. And boy, oh boy, I mean, uh, it's fantastic. And she has no problem being naked. How do you yeah. know that? You just know she's been naked. She seems very natural on yeah. screen when she's naked. She doesn't look like she's uptight. You know what I mean? You know, because I always think back to the Khaleesi. The Khaleesi was walking well, around butt naked, having her clothes burned off every week. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, she didn't want to do it. Well, I'm, I'm going to try this new show. Riley Keough is the lead in the new show, Daisy Jones and the Six, premiering March 3rd on Amazon Prime. I'm hoping she'll be... Naked. She has a three star rating on Mr. Skin, which is very high. And if, is that uh, high on Mr. Skin? I don't know his rating system. I mean, Riley Keough is a good actress, but I don't know that I'd watch her if she was in a show where she never gets naked. You well, know. then, uh, you know, maybe she should try that and see how good her acting is. <laughs> good luck, honey. I'm not watching. <laughs> I love seeing her naked. My wife did too. We both enjoyed it. Loved the show. Was, Loved when she got I naked. Was, Talking to you about that OnlyFans site, and a lot uh, of famous women are now going on there. And uh, this Bella cleaning up went on and made two million dollars in a few days. Right. Well, 
anyway, so I so after that, this is what listen. This is what guys are into. I'm a guy. I'm a, I'm not trying to be say I'm above it. I'm so I get off the air. I I googled. Uh, I mean, I went on Mister Skin, looked at Riley Keough naked. Then I watched some porn. I went on you porn. I watched. So just um, looking at the girls naked is not enough. Well, that was fun. And then I said, well, I would like to see some hardcore, you know, I mean, <laughs> not softcore. And then uh, I went on you porn. I typed in seduce. That's my new favorite thing to type in in the category. People who are reluctant to, you know, try. Let's say this. This one was uh, a girl who was reluctant to try lesbianism. It was a fabulous porn, too, because uh, one of the girls is a nerd. She's not a popular girl. She was doing makeup for the two popular girls. You know, the girls pretend they're like high school or college. The two popular girls, the nerdy girls wearing glasses and she has no makeup on, but she happens to be good at giving makeup. She does a beautiful job putting makeup on these two girls. And they're like, you know what? You're terrific at doing makeup. Why don't you ever put on makeup for yourself? Oh, I can't do that. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a nerd. You're not a nerd. You're a beautiful girl. And we want to thank you for doing our makeup so well. So it and doesn't matter to you how ridiculous the plot is. No, <laughs> I, that doesn't seem ridiculous to me. <laughs> I mean, I can say, they go, we want to thank you. And the two popular girls start making out. They kiss each other and then they go over and they kiss the makeup girl, the nerd. And she likes it. <laughs> and before you know it they got her shirt off they got her pants off the nerdy girl and you should see she's better looking than all of them and she's in her panties and they're rubbing her vagina over her panties one's playing with her titties panties. and the other one's playing yeah playing with her vagina over the panties panties and then the two of them giggle the two popular girls what why are we wearing clothes why are we wearing our shirt and our pants they take off their shirt. They take off their pants. Panties where's, come right where's off. Where's the seduction? I don't see any I seduction. Know. In. Well, it's funny you say <laughs> that. I almost Bandies. bailed down on it because I was like, there's no seduction. You're right. It was like, I wanted her to be like, I don't know if I want to do this. I've never done lesbianism. Why would you want me? I want more resistance. But she was right into it. And if I could give a pointer to some of these porn producers, you got to have someone who's more, you know, needs more convincing. Like, it would have been great if the girls would have said, like, look, I know you've never done this before, but let us just kiss you and see if you like. And they kiss and she should squirm a bit and say, listen, just take off your shirt. We're just going to play with your chest. We're not going to do anything else. You know what I mean? Something like that. Boom. Two seconds later, she went from <laughs> reluctant to just give it to me. Full lesbian. <laughs> Full lesbian. <laughs> it's upsetting. But, uh, but that's uh, for some reason, whenever I put in seduce, the seduction isn't that great. It's like yeah. the, it takes, yeah. It's it's not what I want. I might Do have to start producing porn. Do they know what the term porn. seduction means? You know, maybe yeah, I know. To get out a dictionary. Everybody gives in so quick. Yeah, but anyway, that that was my day yesterday. Then I called you, called Robin off the air, see what was going on over there. There's always something going on over there. <laughs> something interesting. Hey, um, Dr. Agus is coming by today. We can ask him some medical questions. He just got, he just put out a book. 
he says, listen, there's a lot of interesting things going on in the animal kingdom. If we can figure out why elephants don't get cancer, we can uh, apply it to humans. And before you know it, we'll be cancer free. There you go. Maybe you have to look like an elephant. Uh, is that okay? Oh, I do. I do. <laughs> Stop it. What I got a belly on about? me. I got a belly. You know, it's not that I weigh a lot. Like I, I, For a guy my height, I should weigh a lot more. Uh-huh. But, uh, I got a thin body with a belly. But I talked to my buddy, Pat, who trains me. He's going to work on my core. We're going to get that thing going. We're going to get my belly flat. The last thing I do. I said, listen, it's possible. I see Mick Jagger. What? He's like 80. He's got a flat stomach. I was looking at uh, Bill Maher on TV. He's like around my age. He's got a nice flat stomach. You've seen him without a shirt? I mean, no, never seen him without a shirt, but I could kind of tell. You know what I mean? So for you ladies out there, get ready for hot Howard. You're going to see. <laughs> I'm going to be pretty hot. Be awesome. Maybe Bill's wearing a girdle. You don't know. <laughs> nah, he, he, I'm telling you, he looks good. I, 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 I look people over and I go, hmm, I think that guy's around my age and he's got a flat stomach. So, like, I, I don't weigh a lot. I, I'm, I'm thin, but, you know, my titties are sagging a bit and I got a belly and it's depressing me. You know, the, and then the other day I went swimming with Beth. I've been avoiding it. Got in my, my, titties. um, I got in my bathing suit and I went, oh, she must be disgusted by me. Because first thing, she started pointing to this mole I have right by my belly. Oh. And I said, well, she must be focused on my belly because she sees the mole. She thinks I got to go to the dermatologist, get it looked at. It looks like it changed a bit. Okay. I said, yeah, I'll go. And then I was trying to, you know, look handsome around her. So I was sucking it in. That wasn't so easy. And then, uh, but she did have sex with me afterwards because I get charged up uh, when I'm outside and swimming. Uh-huh. So, um, so maybe I didn't look so bad. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. I was like, well, if she's willing to have sex with me after seeing me in a bathing suit, then I probably don't look that bad. Yeah, that would probably no. be a good indication that she's into yeah. you. But I'm like a woman. I lower the uh, blinds. I um, I get I get into the bedroom before she does, the, and I get under the covers so she doesn't have to see, you know, my full body. You know, I got to leave a little mystery. What do you think is your best part? Is there some place, my feet. something you leave out? So my she feet. Can, oh, yeah? I, oh, you know what I do sometimes? Like, I'll get under the covers, and then I... Bring one leg out. I have nice legs for a dude. <laughs> like she'll even say to me, I wish my legs looked as nice as yours. So I, I bring that leg out so that maybe I look somewhat attractive. So if she focuses on the leg, cause I've been with women I'm not attracted to in life. I'm not proud of it, but I have been. And, and when I, my trick was I'd always find one body part that I thought was attractive. And if I could just stare at that the whole time, I could get worked up. Like if a woman had a nice ass or a Nice stomach or something or big titties. I could look at those and, you know, maybe not focus ignore so much on the, the rest. Yeah, ignore <laughs> yeah. the rest. But I think with me, I'm honest. I, I have really nice feet. Even Beth said to me the other day, you know, your feet are very, still very, very youthful looking. I said, yeah, keep looking at those. <laughs> I just won't wear shoes. I'll just keep my socks and shoes off. Anything that'll, that'll anything that'll keep you in the game. And then, uh, and my hair is good. You know, I, oddly, at my age, I still have dark hair. Um, 
I was looking in the mirror the other day. I said, how do you still have dark hair? I mean, it's, it's a little salt and pepper, but I know guys much younger than me. They're full gray. Oh, yeah. So I look at it and I go, you know what the bitch of it is? People think I color my hair. So it's like, it doesn't even matter. You don't but, get any um, points. Yeah. No. Color it. <laughs> well, it's weird because my beard is gray. Yes. And my hair is dark. And it's like, so people probably think, what's this guy up to? Why doesn't he dye his beard then since he dyes his hair, you know? But I really don't dye it because I once went and got like a rinse years ago. We were doing a TV show and someone said, put some highlights in your hair of um, like a, I was like, oh, really? And I went, I thought, okay, maybe it'd be fun. I mean, they wrap it in tin foil. You'll feel like a douche. And it's like, I'm not going to you. I had to sit there for hours. I was like, this is a waste douche. of my life. I feel the minutes ticking by. I'm not going to do that. Color my hair. I don't think. But, you know, I got the big curly hair, rock star hair. And uh, I, I'm afraid if my hair does go gray, I'll end up looking like uh, Brian May from Queen. And I don't like uh, his hair the way it looks. He's got a nice head of hair, but it's gray. Yeah, He's got the big curls and everything. So I don't know. Maybe I have to you color it. You don't think it. you're going to like being gray? Probably not. I don't like anything about aging. You know, it's because not. there are some people who, you know, during the pandemic, nobody could get their hair colored. Oh, and yeah, right. A lot of people went full gray. Yeah. And boy, they shouldn't have. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I absolutely didn't say right. That part. No, I know what you were thinking. <laughs> there were people, yeah, I know. I know people who went gray during the event, and I went, oh, they. <laughs> But it's weird to me. I got the rock star hair, but I got the the roadie's face. You know what I mean? I don't get the. I get it's a bad combination. Um, by the way, just to note, uh, Benji was telling me he takes his shirt off with a woman when he's ready to break up with her. Like, oh, and then yeah, Benji. then they leave him so he doesn't have to go through the weird um, breakup, awkward breakup. So. So when they think, oh, he's getting more comfortable around me, he's willing to take off his shirt. He's yeah. actually trying to break up. Yeah. Marianne from Brooklyn, <laughs> you're on the air. Go, my girl, Marianne. Howard, How are you, I was Marianne? really going to call about Dr. Agus, but forget that now. Howard, you look so good. I was thinking the same thing. Rock star hair. Yeah, rock star lean, hair. Beautiful right. eyes. Great personality. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Come on, Howard. Stop selling yourself short. You went all these years. You're handsome. You're sexy. You got a rocking bar with a rocking wife. Come on. I got to pick right. you up. I want to lift you up. But, Howard, I got to ask Dr. Agus. I, I ordered his new book. It's, pre it's already signed. I want to ask him about Robin's diet. I want to ask him about masks. I want to ask him about Wuhan, China. I want to ask him, Howard, about what's going on with suicide and people that are killing themselves. I got a whole, a whole thing of questions for him, and he's one of the most fantastic doctors. Uh, get, get him to do your show. You can ask him those questions. <laughs> get yourself a podcast. Yeah, what are you what are you doing? Mary Ann from Brooklyn. What a doll face. Huh? She always uh, tries to lift my spirits. <laughs> That's right. She's she must yeah. have talked to Chat GBT or GPT yeah. and it told her how to try to cheer you up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder uh, does Chat GPT know you? Know me? I don't Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows me. 
Yeah. He knows me. Yeah, he does, actually. I'm not going to go into how he knows me, but he knows me. Okay. So, one day I'll tell you. I'll All know right, Chat, I, Chat GPT just, knows it me. It occurred to me, do you, does Jet, what does Jet GBT, GPT know? <laughs> it knows everything because it's, you know, it's off the Internet. That's where it gets its education. Um, yeah, but it doesn't filter. You have to remember that it can't tell the difference between fake information and uh, good information. They, so you're well, absolutely yeah. right. Uh, some of the questions I asked him about myself, he got completely, uh, well, let's just say he had a very uh, weird view of me. Um, <laughs> by the way, let me just tell you, yes, um, Tomorrow, Kiss will be here. And I know some of you have asked me in the email, well, you know, Sal, will he be involved with Kiss? And absolutely not. I don't want him anywhere near them. Guy's a fucking weirdo, Sal, when it comes to Kiss. I've had a lot of problems. He was the head of the Kiss fan club, right? Was that? Yeah. Yeah. Designation. Yeah. What was it, Sal? You were the head of the Kiss fan club in. Queens or wherever the fuck Hempstead or something. He, he, yeah, he, he was also the head of the uh, Beastie Boys Nation. Yeah, yeah, I was only the head of the Beastie Boys fan club on Prodigy. Oh, Beastie Boys. Oh, what yeah, was when, the Kiss thing? What was? Uh, no, was, I, I was just part. I was just part of the Kiss army. But Gene Simmons had me thrown out of uh, of a show in Connecticut in uh, 2002 because oh. I stuck my tongue out at him. Yeah, I thought that was really? very odd. Yeah. You know what, Sal? That story doesn't sound right. That's, I, what do you mean you I just swear stuck my children. your tongue out? Howard, no. I'm front row, and I put my thumbs in my ears. I wiggled my fingers, and I went <laughs> like that to Gene. Yeah. And he, he got so angry that he grabbed uh, uh, a roadie from behind the stage to but have wait me a thrown second. out. Gene's thing is sticking his tongue out. So sticking your tongue out to Gene is an acknowledgment that you're a fan. You did something right. else. Yeah, let, go back and think about the story, genius. You Howard, know you did something else. You know. I swear, you did my children, else. because there was a lady next to me, a beautiful blonde, and she yeah. whipped out her tits. And Gene yeah. looked at her, and he stuck out his tongue. Now, me, the attention whore that I am, I wanted Gene's attention, but I didn't have any tits. So I stuck my thumbs in my ears, wiggled my fingers, and like like a like a jackass <laughs> and he and i think he thought maybe like i disrespected him and the girl next to him i don't know like i was playing it down that he was this yeah, well demon. let me tell you something tomorrow i don't want you anywhere near kiss i won't be anywhere near them you fuck yourself <laughs> last time i oh, had like, so gene when i had gene in years ago or i don't even know what was ace fraley or somebody sal went into the green room and tried to steal his phone number off the, um, oh, Howard, Howard, it's so much better than that. It's so much better than that. <laughs> Sal, no, it's not. I, I, what, one day I see Sal looking through the release book. You know, when people sign a release to come on the show, they put all their information. I go, what are you doing? And he says, oh, I'm just getting Ace Fraley's number. I go, why? I'm going to call him. We'll be friends. I'm like, no, 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 oh no, 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 no. I just I'm started there. I thought that was part of the, you know, the protocol, what? you know, and you're, <laughs> you're working How did on you a, think in, that? Well, no, how did we not fire well, him? I'm in the like the guy was going through release forms looking I for a phone number. I wasn't going through. Okay, let let. All right, Gary's rewriting history. I wasn't going through the release forms. The release form was sitting on the desk in front of an intern. Oh, and I, I see. That, I'm crazy. And I, which was right next to my desk, and Gary was behind. Yeah, me, and, and then I what did you think up. you were going to call? You were going to call Ace Fraley and just no, go like, "Hey, I dude, what? I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't okay. Call him. You're a fucking. Well, then why'd you take the number? Well, why like, bother what was the point with his phone number? Yeah. 
Like, what was your thought? What were you in your mind once you had the number? If you dialed it, what was going to happen? I I have no idea. I just looked at it, and and that was basically. And Gary, you were behind me, and I said, "Oh, it would be nice to have Ace's phone number. Give him a call." I don't. I know. think you're rewriting history now. <laughs> I really do. I don't think. I think you looked for it, and I think you took it and wrote it down, and you had a plan. I did not I write it down. You. I did not write. No, it you down. know what his plan is? He has like he had a fantasy to come to my apartment. We're going to hang right. out, and be friends. Oh, uh, and then the other famous story was Sal pulled on Gene Simmons' hair to see if it was real on the show years ago. What? Like Gene yes. came in. Yeah. Yeah. What? How I did asked, you do that? I asked him. I, I just said there's a rumor that your hair is fake, you know, because it looks it looked like unbelievable. Black co- it looked it looked like black cotton candy. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, and, no, see, this is and, and he says this is why roaming the halls. He's well, we don't. Dangerous. You know what I did? I said, Sal, whenever there's a guest. Sal has to be locked in his office like, a, like an animal. And then when the guest leaves, he can come out, right? To Gary, that was the rule. Yeah, can I go over some of Sal's greatest green room hits? Because no. they are amazing. Um, he pulled on Gene Timmons' hair. He told John Which Stewart he wasn't funny. Which I did on air. I asked, I asked permission He, he told John Gene Stewart Simmons he wasn't hair. funny. He told yeah, that was the best. that he was the white devil. Like, you're dangerous. Right. Please. You know who you remind me of, Sal? It's like this guy. I was just reading about him. So there's a comic, you know, I never read comic strips in the newspaper, really. Maybe when I was a little kid, but there's a comic strip, Dilbert. Dilbert. If you, I remember the name. I don't, I couldn't yeah, I tell you anything that. about it. First of all, getting a comic in the newspaper is, a, a, I think you have a better shot of being a morning man on a radio station. And still having it because they've been cutting back and cutting back and cutting back on comics. Most, like the Daily News used to have comics, then they, whenever they have to budget cut, the first thing that goes are the comics. So, you know, the odds of still having a career making one of these stupid four panel comics in a, in a newspaper, but there's hardly any newspapers anymore. Anyway, this guy, I never heard of him before. His name is uh, Scott Adams, he's the creator of Dilbert. And Dilbert evidently is in like 2,000 newspapers in 65 countries and 25 languages. It's very successful. What this guy's writing there, what the jokes are, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I don't care. But the man makes a good living. So he got a podcast. This is reminds me of you, Sal. I guess he has a podcast. And here's the problem with podcasts. Podcasts are done in people's living rooms for the most part. And they forget. They forget like... Like, for example, if you do a radio show here at Sirius XM or you have, you do a radio show at a radio station, you have to go to the station and you see people. So this guy is sitting in his living room doing a podcast and he starts talking about black people. Now this Schmenrick, he's got, uh, he's got, he's getting to do what he loves in life. Draw these dumb, you ever see Dilbert? It looks like a seven year old drew it. It's not but great drawing, right? It's not great drawing. It's <laughs> between you and me. I'm sure the jokes aren't that good. I mean, if anyone can pull up Dilbert, read me one of the jokes. I bet you wouldn't even get it. I used to read these comic strips in the newspaper. I go, I don't even get the joke. I don't even know if there is a joke here. You don't know what they're talking about. But this guy somehow hit the lottery and his, his characters took off. He makes a lot of money. So he's sitting now. What is now he's thinking? Yes, Dilbert's a success, but no one knows me, the real Scott Adams. I have Nobody other knows. thoughts that I yeah, need yes. to get out. Right. So evidently, <laughs> he's got a problem with black people. He's pretty hung up on black people. 
From what I understand, he was reading something and it said it was a poll. And it said that, okay, most black people have a problem with white people. Right. (laughs) But, but here's the thing. Let's say you're having these thoughts in the old days before there was podcasting and in the internet. You know, you go to your publicist or your agent or your manager and you'd say, you know, I'm having thoughts about black people. And the agent would go, really? What is your thought? Well, I'm thinking black people, um, they're the enemy because uh, they don't like white people. So fuck them. And, and the agent would say, listen, Schmenrick, you've got Scott. You've got a great career with this stupid comic. Quite frankly, I never un- thousand newspapers. Right, I never understood <laughs> this fucking uh, comic anyway. But keep your mouth shut about black people, even if you have these feelings. You know, keep them to keep yourself. To yourself. And as I said, like it's serious. Let's say you had a radio show and you started having thoughts about black people. What's great is you walk through the lobby, you'd actually see real black people, and you say, you know, maybe I ought to keep my mouth shut. Because, you know, it would be a reality check. You'd say to yourself, well, you know, I was going to go on the air today and talk about black people. But I'm looking over there. I see uh, Shade 45. I see this. I see the hip-hop station. Uh, you know, maybe I shut my mouth. What the fuck? There's so my all of Tim. I, I can't imagine this going over well with him if I talk. Right, right. Yeah, maybe I'll walk out of the studio, beat me up. But uh, so anyway, there, none of these checks and balances are in place anymore. You, you do a show from your living room. Well, who are you going to ask? You, you know. So this guy Scott Adams, who runs the Dilbert comic, the creator of the Dilbert comic, he, as Robin was saying, was reacting to a Rasmussen poll that found fifty-three percent of Black Americans agree with the statement it's okay to be white, twenty-six percent disagreed, and twenty-one percent were not sure. If you read the poll, you, you wouldn't even think about it. Okay, so what, that's how what, can you even get a, an opinion about anything from that? So he sat down in his living room, and now when you're sitting in your living room, you assume nobody's listening, and he and, and this is the guy, this is what he had to say. As you know, I've been identifying as black for a while, years now. What a joke. What a joke. <laughs> I mean, what a comedian. You know, Arthur, I've been identifying as a black person. Okay, sure you have. As you know, I've been identifying as black for a while, years now. Because I like, you know, I like to be on the winning team. But as of today, I'm going to re-identify as white because I don't want to be a member of a hate group. I'd accidentally joined a hate group. So if, if you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, nah. uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. And I don't want to have anything to do with them. And I would say, you know, based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the fuck away. Wherever you have to go, just get away. Where would that be? The moon? (laughs) (laughs) Let's assume I agree with the gentleman and I want to get away from black people. Well, what what you got to do is write a comic and make a lot of money and then you'll get away from, uh, you can go to, I don't know, Nova Scotia or something. I don't think they have any black people there. Uh, look, the, the point is, Sal, I only play this for you because, you know, you make such crazy statements and do crazy things. Only I would keep, keep you working here after you went through. I appreciate and it. Try to get these phone numbers. Howard, <laughs> may, may I just use your head? Yeah, that was, yeah. by the way, with Ace Fraley, that was two weeks in 
when I was working there. I'm not looking to defend myself, but I wasn't aware of yes, how to are. conduct myself at the uh, time. How old were you, a bit. Sal? How old were you? Uh, I think maybe 31, 32. Yeah, that's not a kid. That's not a 16. I'm not saying no. I was a kid, but I thought I'm like, hey, you know, I'm in. I'm in with the cool crew. You know, I used to. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you, I'll bus. tell you, you're in with the cool crew. I, uh, there's nothing cool about you. The, <laughs> and you're not in with the cool crew. Whoever's cool around Thanks. here avoids you like the plague. But, uh, I tell you, the kiss is coming in tomorrow and I know Sal's a fanatic and he even said to me, if, if I, I would let somebody pee on me, if uh, I, I didn't say that, that was suggested this by somebody did. else. No, you I didn't. That was Jason Kaplan's well, I'd like to idea. Piss on you, Howard. Did you <laughs> want to pee on him? <laughs> oh, I owe him. I owe him. I would love to pee why, on him. Damn. Why should kiss be punished? Because you right. want to pee on Sal. Like Sal, I think I'm giving you the day off tomorrow. You, how do you okay, like that? Thanks. I appreciate it. So Howard, can, uh, I, uh, can I throw out a couple more of Sal's greatest hits in the green well, room? Well, I just want to make one other greatest hit. Sal dressed like Ace Fraley for Ace's appearance. Yes. Ace wouldn't even look at him. I mean, that's uh. what I mean. He just reads the room the wrong way. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> he knows. Well, anyway, yeah, Sal, Gary, if you want to embarrass okay. Sal, go ahead. Just a couple more because I owe him. Sal, Sal saw Bobby Flay in the you lobby with his girlfriend and said, I want to just tell you your hamburgers taste better than pussy. I don't know what the thought process what was. What chef there. wouldn't love that, Gary? That's a compliment. <laughs> I'm a pervert. And did you, Sal, is Gary, it true? Did you, did you go up to, um, idiot. Caitlyn Jenner and tell her she was an no. inspiration? Uh, not that I recall, no. I took a picture <laughs> with Caitlyn Jenner and Richard. She was very nice. Did you check him for a hernia? I mean, her for a hernia? <laughs> yeah. Richard's boyfriend says, uh, Richard's boyfriend, uh, I mean, Sal's boyfriend, Richard, 100% says Sal told, Caitlyn well, Jenner, she's I did an say she's an inspiration. She is. She's done a lot of good things for the LGBTQ. <laughs> God bless her. There's nothing wrong with that. You do something good for the LGBTQ community. Why not? God bless them. Do something good for everyone and just be quiet. I agree. And, that's part, and they, are, they are part of everyone, Robin. Richard, no, what I happened? Said you're just uh, doing the LG, you know, she's doing the LGBT. You could do everyone. Meanwhile, I, I mean, let, let's be honest. Sal's greatest hit was getting caught masturbating in the office. Who does uh, that? Uh, that was after. That was after hours. Oh, <laughs> oh, come on! He's always got an excuse after and, hours. And by the way, he'd only been, he'd only been working there. there. He'd only been working there for five years. You know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know. He didn't know. What yeah, is that, after I was, hours? I was thirty-seven. Building, Robin, is the building empty? It was research, it was. and one thing led to another. That's what Reese? happened. Why did you Why did you walk in the room and tell Russell Simmons that you were the white devil? That was supposed to be a joke. I was being affable, but it kind of backfired on me. What does That's affable mean, Sal? What does affable mean? It, it's, it's, it's just trying to be, like, engaging and fun. That's what affable means, Gary. Boy, you missed the mark every time. Prevailing. I did. I did miss it. Yeah. Capillaries. I have a little bit what of is it, Richard? Richard wants to talk. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say when we met Caitlyn Jenner, it was just so funny hearing Sal say that after he did a million bits goofing on her. I did a million bits? What did you do? You just sat well, back and watched too. me, okay. you fucking asshole? We did, but I didn't tell her yeah, she's we an did. inspiration. Well, you should have. That would have been nice. You didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. You were probably just... thinking mean things about her. No, I wasn't. You? No, I wasn't. Get off my Sal. show. Get out of here. Sal, did you once tell uh, another uh, female DJ you wanted to be her toilet paper? 
Because yes, you'd, you'd, you'd be like, you'd be fired for that now. That's like out the right, door right, kind right. of stuff. Yes, now. yes, yes, yes. You know better now, though, right, Sal? I know a lot better now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, the, 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 the next stupid thing that hasn't come up before, because we have to correct him on everything. This is you got to uh, Rob. You got to fifty-three now. You learn. You learn from experience. He, he learned. He's he learned. He Everyone learned. else is so perfect. <laughs> I apologize. Who was he hanging out with before us that never got any of these? <laughs> he things? was a stockbroker, and they, they were going nuts with him. I used to do <laughs> prank calls to Gary as a stockbroker. That's how I got the job here. But Sal, I just want to go back to one. What was the thought process like? Why would you tell John Stewart you didn't think he was funny? Like, what did you expect him to say back to you? That's a good question, Gary. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. I believe it was the day after he hosted the Oscars or, or uh, one of those shows, and I, he didn't. From what I recall, I, I didn't. I wasn't pleased with uh, what he did. So I said, "Yeah, I saw you last night." And I go, "I didn't think it was that funny." That was that was basically it. You know, I got to tell you something. More than anything, Sal's ever done, and you know, my name is on the show. It's the Howard Stern Show. Mm. That was maybe the most mortifying thing when he right. would do something like that to a guy like John Stewart, who I admire and I think is funny. Me too. And, you know, because of that, this situ the situation was so out of control where my employees were now thinking they were running some sort of side radio show. I had to crack down so hard and set up rules and infrastructure and everything because I said the, the inmates are running the asylum. Idiot. I mean, I bring I bring a guy in, John Stewart, who's a fabulous guest, always funny, up for anything. I mean, the guy, a major comic, and this Schmenrick, this motherfucker, would walk in the room and go, "Um, I didn't think you were very funny." And I'd say, "You know, who is he? Who is he? Can you imagine if I went to the John Stewart show, which I did a couple of times, the Daily Show, and I walk into a green room, and you always before you do these shows." You have this moment of panic. What am I going to do out there? I want it to be good. You know, I, you know, I'm, I, this is not my environment. This is somebody else's environment. I don't want to fuck up their show. You know, I go through a lot of Ajda. And imagine one of his employees came in and said, you know, hey, I, I listen to your show sometimes. I, it's, I, you're not funny. You weren't very good. You weren't very good. Now, imagine the mindset I would be in, you know, to go out there. You want it, you know. The whole idea with a guest is you want them to feel good before they come on so that they give you your best. Not sure. Sal. <laughs> and I just said, what am I, I doing? Like what, am I, what am I doing? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm running an organization well, where there's no leadership. There's no, and you know, there's no accountability. Well, was, thanks it, to me, those I changes would come were to implemented. Work. Yeah, thanks to you. Thanks I want to say, I, I, said, I gotta, I got to do something. And we put in real management, management structure, because, you know, I realized all those years I was, you know what it is, you know, my reputation. I'd go to radio stations. I was the rebel. I would fight, you know, the management and this and that. And I'd hired these motherfuckers like Sal. And right away, he thinks he's fighting the establishment. I go, no, no, no. I'm now the establishment. Don't fight me, you asshole. <laughs> right. There's no show in the hall. That's very true, Howard. It's very right. true. I said, anything you're doing out in the hall with Jon Stewart isn't going to get on the air. There's something wrong with you. Yeah, we all thought we were like little miniature Howard Stearns, but we yeah, weren't. We, we were there all to work thought for you. you thought you were miniature I Howard thought. Stern. Yeah. Right, because well, so, no, no one else was doing this but you. Right. 
And I, I looked up to Howard, and I, and I loved how Howard raged against the machine, and he was honest, but not in his world, not in his vicinity. That's where I fucked up. See, I shouldn't be, fucked you know, so, so I then, apologize about Sal, that. It's like Sal was on fire. Like, he would go out. This was going on. He put his cock on Ron Jeremy's shoulder up at Sirius. Oh, you know, no, like, no, no, like, no, no, no. That wasn't it, a, it, that on his was head. head. Howard, we were, we were in L.A. We yeah. did an appearance together. We're all oh, hanging God. out. Ron is sitting on steps. So Sal thinks that we're in a movie, right? Like this is the Ron <laughs> Jeremy movie, right? Because Ron's, you know, Ron takes his cock out. There's a lot of hijinks. So Sal puts his cock my on balls, Ron Jeremy's head. Balls, it's called a Roman balls. helmet. He tried to yeah, put, his put his balls, balls over on his forehead. Ron jumped up. I, I thought he was going, I had to get between him. He was going to fucking kill him. And he goes, what the fuck is wrong? Like he was so upset. And so and, he and said Sal, to me, I was like, Sal, what are you thinking? He turned around. He goes, did you just put your balls on my head? And I said, yeah. And I thought he was going to be like, high five me. But uh, he goes, I should fucking knock you the you fuck really, out. And and Gary jumps you, in between uh, and he goes, no, you, you don't understand. He thinks this is funny. This is he, in his mind. He honestly thinks that you would enjoy this. And I thought he would have. I don't you know. You know, your thought process is so scary. It's amazing. Well, listen, man. you're talking about a guy, you know, he's been a lot of pornography. Idiot. His cock is constantly out. I've seen his videos. He sucks his own dick. I thought he'd find it funny. Yeah, but I mean, why do you put... think anything? I mean, you should never I think outside thinking. of when I... you're around me and, and I supervise. Yes, I stop yeah. thinking. You know, Howard, crazy. can I tell you one thing? more? No, yeah, go ahead. Quiet, sure. you. Ace, <laughs> another thing during the Ace Freely appearance. Because there's so much. What At K-Rock's. After the Ace Freely interview, Sal came into the studio during the commercial break dressed as Ace, and he wanted a picture with Ace. All right. So guess, who, guess who Sal handed the camera to to take a picture of him and Ace? You. You. How I handed you. Me. How did I not fire this guy? This fucking guy. I handed you the I mean, camera. And then Gary went flying it. in. It was like, oh, my God. Gary just dove fucking in. Fucking idiot. I'm serious, Gary. I'll take the picture. I'll take the picture. Sal will no, be nowhere near Kiss tomorrow. They're nowhere of course near not. Kiss. I mean, I, come on. Of course not is right. I know you love Kiss. Yeah. If you were if you were semi normal and had a brain, you know. by the way, speaking of Sal, this is unbelievable. You know, Sal thinks he has psychic powers and he speaks to the dead, which is even funnier. I should play this bit. How much time I got? Let me let me play this bit. This is fucking great. We put an ad in the newspaper. Oh, maybe I should take a break first. I got two bits I want to get in before Doctor Agus comes on. One is uh, did I play you the bit? Where we called the balloon store as no. President Chi from China, and no. uh, he wants—he's trying to buy a spy balloon to spy on Americans. No, oh, okay, I got to play that. Yeah. And then I got to play you Sal giving a woman a psychic reading. She has no idea who Sal is. We put an ad in the paper. <laughs> and you got—I mean, it's—you know—it's fucking crazy. It's the craziest oh. thing you're ever going to hear. <sighs> <laughs> he's exhausting. Jeez. Imagine his wife. Imagine uh, the wild uh, yeah. shit Sal does every day when he has no supervision. I do nothing every day. I work for the show every day, and I take care of my family, and uh, I'm grateful for everything. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Jesus. Make a few mistakes. You're doomed forever. A few? A few. Yes. It's a, it's a, one it's a, of them catastrophic. It's a, it's a tsunami of mistakes. <laughs> well, there you go. Thanks the to uh, the mistakes, Mattress the more you learn. So there you go. Uh, Sometimes I'll it takes a little more. All right, I'll play uh, play uh, so Sal as a psychic. 
Uh, uh, I'm trying to think what I want to do here first. Do I want to play you the... No, this is quick. It's a phony phone call. We got Asian Pete to play Ple- President Chi from China. He called the balloon store and he... You know, he, he, he wanted to buy a balloon to spy on America. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> and it's good to see there's some patriotic people in this country. Oh. You know, they stood Nobody up the president. Nobody would sell him a balloon? <laughs> they stood, well, I don't want to ruin it for you. I don't want to give you any spoilers. But it's good to see people standing up to President Xi. Is it Xi or Xi? Well, who cares? Xi, Xi, I don't know. Yeah. God. Anyway, here's Asian Pete. The guy's such a good actor. You really, you really believe he's President Chi? He, he is Chi. Or he, whatever he's Chi. Right. <laughs> balloons. Hi, are those the balloons? I guess we do do balloons. I need a big balloon. Big, big, big. The bigger you have. Um, I mean, we can go all the way up to like six feet. <laughs> so we, we can get some pretty big balloons. How high are you Um, I mean, it would be helium filled, so I mean, it would, if it's not weighted, it'll go all the way into the sky. I mean, helium will keep on floating as long as this tether is. Okay. I call it for China. I use it for spy equipment. Um, so I'm not sure. Hello, I am President Z's electronic translator here to help you understand his last comment. Sure. Okay. He said he's calling from China and wants to use your balloons to fly spy equipment. Yes. Oh. oh. Don't tell I call you. I go to Joe Biden find this out. Don't tell anybody I called you. I don't want Joe Biden to find out. Okay. And uh, God damn it. She hung up on me. Balloon. How me I get going for China? How many balloons do you have in the store? Listen, we're not going to help you. It's over by you, Kim. You know, be too. What was that? This is bullshit. I need to see what you fatso Americans are up to. Yeah. Call another balloon so see if they can help you. Good for you. Thank you, Kamini. Good one, President Z. He said, fuck you, redneck American. Stop bothering us. If you call us again, I'm calling the cops. Goodbye. Hello. Ma'am, did you just get a call from a fellow, Chinese fellow, looking to buy... A giant balloon? I did. This is President Biden. You just avoided selling a spy balloon to China. So thank you, ma'am. Sure. Thank you, Mr. Biden. You're a patriot who showed his duty to one another. And I wish this nation had more balloon stores just like yours. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. Glad to help out my country. Take care and God bless America. Bye-bye. How nice is that? Asian Pete. Uh, sad news, Asian Pete got stuck in the President Xi voice like Austin Butler with Elvis and uh, <laughs> he's having a hard time getting out of it. Now he needs that you know. interpreter all the time. I did. Um, we're going to play that call, by the way, every July 4th to show you that some people <laughs> care about this country like a balloon store. I was going to well, play you I, right now. I thought it was interesting that they were going to give him a third time before they called the police. You know, guys just said, I want to spy on America. <laughs> They're going to give them three chances before they call the cops. I was going to play you this incredible, uh, it's almost the size of a documentary. Sal does his first professional psychic reading for a stranger. 
But I'm thinking here, I'm just looking at the time, and I don't want to run out of time. So instead, what I'm going to do is tell you that I'll play you this tomorrow. But I will play the psychic medium game with you right oh. now. Yes. Are you ready? The psychic medium game. Yes. The psychic medium game. It's time to play. Who will mediums contact? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Robin. Psychic medium game. I think you'll be good at this. So let's see. Um, most mediums, most mediums claim they can communicate with the dead. So we were curious if there was anyone in the afterlife they wouldn't be willing to contact. So we put together a game, and we said to the mediums to contact well-known dead people for ridiculous advice. And you have to guess, Robin. If you want to play, and I know you do, you have to guess if they would do it. So without further ado, let's play the psychic medium game. So here's our first request. This is a practice one, Robin, so you get familiar with the game. This okay. one doesn't count. All right. What a, con what a medium contact Bernie Madoff for advice on how to manipulate personal financial statements. Now, here's the request. Listen to it. This is us talking to the medium. Hi, I gambled away all of my mother-in-law's money. I was wondering, could you please contact Bernie Madoff and ask him how I can manipulate her financial statements so she won't find out? Would a medium just say, this is ridiculous, or I'm not asking Bernie Madoff that? Or will they comply? Hmm. Right, Robin. I'm going to say no. You say no. You say that the medium will not be willing to contact Bernie Madoff for advice. Oh, I'm hoping the medium has, you know, some right. moral turpitude. All right, let's find out. <laughs> Lock you in on a no. Of course a medium wouldn't contact Bernie Madoff to take advantage of somebody's mother-in-law. Bernie Madoff? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> um... He says if this was for, like, a major financial institution or for anybody who knew about finances, it might be difficult to impossible. But he said the good news is this is just your mother-in-law. He says so all you really have to do in this scenario is, is go online and find a template of whatever document you need, fill it out, and she will buy it because she does not know the difference. Oh, that's wow. great news. Also, I'm going to the track today. Um, I'm playing a horse in the fifth race. Can you get Bernie Madoff back and ask him what number horse I should bet on? I sure will. Give me one second. <laughs> I'm here in the race. Let me see if I can pull something. Okay, first number I'm picking up is 17. 17. Perfect. I'm going to sell her car and put it all on 17 today. Thank you so much. And thank you for talking to Bernie. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm well, you're wrong. Yes, I, I guess it's much of what you say. She's in the same or he is in the same business. And so why wouldn't she well, have a suggestion for somebody who's trying to dupe their mother-in-law. You're lucky that was a practice question because this one's going to count. All right. Here's our next request. Listen carefully and then make your decision. Here we are talking to the psychic about a famous person. Hello. Hello. This is Kanye West. Kanye West? 
Yes, a.k.a. Yay. Have you heard of me? Of course I know who you are. I have read for a bunch of other celebrities. I'm just curious if any of them had referred you to me. I don't need no celebrity telling me what to do. I run my own shit. So can you speak to dead people? Yes, I, I do have the ability to communicate with those who have passed on. Good. So I got some blowback from the Jewish community based on my opinions. They don't get me. They don't understand my genius. So it got me thinking. There's only one man who was able to understand the Jewish mind. A man who put fear in the Jews and had them obey him. Adolf Hitler. So I need you to contact Adolf Hitler's spirit and ask him for advice on how to get these Jewish people to respect me, fam. Well, the psychic contact, Adolf Hitler, Robin. Put on your thinking cap. What's to think about? Well, Robin, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not uh, in your head. Now you got to think. Psychic no medium needs... <laughs> Listen, the psychic medium makes, needs to make a living. Kanye West is a wealthy man. He, yes. he does a good job. And he'll he call back. other people, right. Uh, yeah. That's right. So think it through. Will the psychic mediums they say to Kanye, that's despicable. I'm not contacting Hitler for you about the Jews. Well, well, since you can't really contact anybody. Well, you don't know that, Robert. There's, there's forces here that you don't know about. Yes or no to Kanye West's request to speak to Hitler. Go ahead, Robin. I'm going to guess that this person has a personal animosity to Hitler okay. and is going to say no. All right, Robin. Good for you. We're going to lock you in on a no. There it is. Let's find out the answer and see how you did. Um, I honestly don't know how comfortable I am summoning such a demonic, evil-spirited um, Hitler was I, I, I'm not really sure I'm comfortable with that. This ain't about your comfort. I'm Jesus. Down with Jesus. And I need you to contact Hitler for me. Your advisor no longer wishes to speak to you. This call has been terminated. Goodbye. There you go. All uh, right. You get, you're on the board, Robin. Good for you. <laughs> you put on your thinking cap and you did very well. All right. Let's find out our next big question. Let's go back to our game. Who will mediums contact? Here we go, Ron. Hi, I'm a sculptor and I'm creating a statue of a nude JFK. I was wondering, can you contact Marilyn Monroe and ask her for a full description of his genitals? Will a medium contact Marilyn Monroe to get personal information on JFK's penis size? I'm going to say yes. You put that down as a yes. Let's find out if you're right. I am really honored that you did this, that you called me for this, because <laughs> I've always had a fascination with both of them. You know, I've had a connection with her forever. Um, okay, she's saying she, she was very pleased with the size. She's impressed by it. I would say eight inches, and the girth is it's pretty good. It's it's a it's a good size around, but it's not veiny. Um, the testicles are are they're good size, not not great big, but they're um, they're standing there together. Very healthy looking penis. Anybody would be proud of it. Let's put it that way. As a man, I can say that. 
Wow. Good, 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 Robin. Now you've gotten two right. <laughs> You're really on the board. You did put on your thinking cap. You originally said you were you didn't even know what was to think about, but you're doing it. <laughs> well, aren't you shocked that JFK's penis wasn't veiny? I always pictured it very veiny, but... Uh, really? Yeah. All right, Robin, we're having fun, but... I don't fun... know if you could, if you could carve a statue from that description. I don't know well, what you'd get. <laughs> Right, Robin. Let's, uh, of course, now go to the next one. And this one's not an easy one, so you got to put on your thinking cap again. Will the psychic comply or deny? Let's play the game and find out. Hello, this is O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson? Yours truly, the juice. Okay. Hi, hi, O.J. Did you have a specific question? I was just wondering, can you ask my wife, Nicole, who killed her? I'd really like to find out. Will the psychic medium contact Nicole to find out who killed her? Uh, finally, we're going to get an answer. Yes. Finally. You say yes. <laughs> I hope you're right. All right. Let's find out. Lock Robin in on a yes. And here is the reveal. Uh... Oh, I am not getting her. Oh, so she won't tell you who killed her? Yes. Well, that's great. I, I mean, uh, that's terrible. Uh, tell Nicole I demand that she tell you who the killer is so we can find him. No, I'm not getting her. I'm sorry, man. I am not getting Nicole. Well, there's nothing wrong with her keeping quiet. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, uh, Robin, I'm sorry. Uh, that's oh, no, a no, no, no. I'm claiming a win. He tried to contact <laughs> her. He couldn't. The judges say no, Robin. You, you can fight all you sorry. want. You didn't ask me if he was going to answer the question. Would he contact her? What? Why don't you uh, be gracious and say OJ is as charming as ever and uh, he should have gotten an answer. All right, Robin. <laughs> Take it up with the authorities. I, I think I'm right. All right. Robin. He contacted her. Robin, here's your next request. Let's see if the psychic went along with it or said no. Hi. Uh, unfortunately, my doctor cut me off of my Vicodins and Percocets. I was wondering, can you contact Elvis Presley and ask him advice on how I can obtain painkillers? Well, what will the psychic medium say? Now, this would endanger this person's health. Were she able to contact Elvis and get some advice? Well, that's true, but did she think that way? Ah. I'm going to say uh, she refused to contact Elvis to ask that question. All right, I'm going to lock you in on a no, Robin. Let's see how you do. Uh, yes, I can do that. Oh, okay, good. he's coming to Okay, um, you can maybe contact some friends. This is what he's saying. Contact some friends, see if they could get a prescription for you. And maybe you can go that way and get in your, your pills. He didn't have an issue with that, but that's the advice he can give you. Wow. That's what Elvis has said. I can't believe I just spoke to Elvis. That's great. Can you also tell him I'm a, I'm a huge fan and I love him? Okay, one moment. Oh, he knows. He knows you're a huge fan. And he loves you, too. Wow. Well, there you go. He says, contact friends, Robin. Yeah, yeah. you're not. You, you, you got two right and two wrong. I, I, 
And I know you're going to take right, it up with God, the judges God, later. Last one, right? Uh, well, go to the judges, Robin. I, there's no reason you there can't. There will be a, a court case after this. I'm <laughs> suing. All right. Meanwhile, <laughs> try to focus on the next question. Did the psychic comply? Let me remind Robin and everyone at home who's listening. Uh, Robin's not getting a prize either way. So there you go. <laughs> she thinks she's getting one, but she's not. All right, Robin, you got to get this next one right. Listen carefully, please, and put on your thinking. Hi, I get anxiety from airport security. Can you contact Osama bin Laden and ask him how I can hop on a plane by avoiding airport security? Well, uh, huh. this, is, hmm, this is a tough one. Well, this goes again to the psychic's feelings about Osama bin Laden. Hmm. And if she really thinks or he really thinks he's contacting somebody. I'm going to say no. They don't want to talk to Osama bin Laden. All right. Of course they can. Okay. Jesus Christ. Jesus, like, <laughs> it's governmental. It's not going to be able to be breached. And it's one of the things that's going to have to take time. Seems like most of the things that's going on when it comes to this is like um, confidential. But right now, it's nothing that you can do but wait and be patient. Wow, so you spoke to Osama bin Laden? I did, <laughs> but it wasn't nothing that I can get out because it was um, due to government. Like, you can't release anything. So bin Laden told you, but you can't release the information? Yes, that's correct, sir. It's like it's things in the government that can't be released. Ma'am. Osama that bin Laden. is ridiculous. Osama <laughs> bin Laden How dare you? Would, would comply with government edicts? He's changed a lot. You know, he's like Sal. He's uh, grown up in the last couple of years. Uh, well, Robin, that I'm going to give you one no final one. I'm going to give you all. But you're not doing that well. But I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself. You win if you get this last one right. Because this is a tough one. Listen carefully, please. Put on your thinking cap immediately. Here we go. Hi, I really want to date this very young girl, but I don't know how to go about doing it could you contact jeffrey epstein so he could give me advice on how i can date this young girl <laughs> will the psychic say sir i am not contacting the despicable jeffrey epstein who ran that island and with sex and underage and blah 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 or will they say of course sir let me uh, see how the best 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 thing to do to get a young girl since the only person who was turned down was hitler <laughs> <laughs> I true. think I have to go with yes, they will contact Jeffrey Epstein. Now you're thinking. <laughs> I can definitely uh reach him. Great. Uh well he's he he seems to be laying out a, a, a like a step by step um process like a um like a grooming. Like a grooming process. He says to, to, to gain their uh, trust is, um, you know, uh, I guess a complimenting phase, you know, and then um, some gifts. That's, that's what he's saying. 
There you go. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein still handing out the advice. Well, <laughs> Robin, you did very well. I'm very proud of you as we play Who Will the Medium Contact? It's time to play Who Will Mediums Contact? <laughs> what a fun game. We got to do it again. You know, and when I say put on your thinking cap, you did, and you really got into it. Uh, let's go to I had to Mike. put on my, my stupid cap. What are you talking about? You don't think <laughs> about those things. You don't even have a stupid cap. Stop <laughs> insulting yourself. Mike, go ahead. and Oh, Mike from Maine. Yes, Mike. Good morning, Howard. Uh, Robin, you were way into Jay Farrow yesterday. It made me wish yes. I was black. <laughs> I wish I was Jay Farrow, for Christ's sake, man. Um, a lot you of think people... it was because he's black? No, a no, lot. no. But I just mean, you know, it, it, listen, we're 96% white in Maine, so I don't think a lot of Maine kids are wishing they were black. I'm just saying I wish I was Jay Farrow because you were way into, was it his dick or was it his whole attitude, Robin? Because once the cock starts getting talked about, your whole demeanor seemed to change. You're not the only one, Mike, who thought oh, Robin really? was... Uh, was this yeah. detected by others? People were sensing um, chemistry. <laughs> Big dick energy. Comedian Jay Farrell was here yesterday. He uh, dropped in as Will Smith, as uh, uh, Chris Rock, uh, Denzel Washington. Um, Howard Jay was a fantastic surprise guest today. He's obviously very talented. And I always love a good Saturday Night Live conversation. But most of all, congrats to Jay on being nine inches. Funny, <laughs> funny, handsome, and a big schlong. The world must be his oyster. Oh, isn't that the truth? I was thinking about that. Nine inches flaccid, he indicated. And uh, wow, that's something. And that's something to put out in the atmosphere because uh, that's exactly what Pete Davidson has done, as yeah. Jay pointed out. And uh, man, you know, good things happen when you get it out there that you have a nine inch penis. I forget the answer, Robin. I, I was thinking about this yesterday because we talked to so many different topics to Jay. But did he? I believe he said that there was a woman or two that actually got away from him because uh, they were scared of his nine inches. Was am I correct? There were. He said there have been issues with somebody not being a you know like it hurting too much, right? And uh, being afraid. Yeah, well, a couple of times. They should. Robin, be is, nine, is nine inches the perfect size for you? <laughs> too big, right, Robin? You've had nine. That... Robin, you've had nine inches. He was too big, right? I got it bigger know. than that. Yeah, Remember the guy who bigger than all the way in, Robin? Remember there was a guy. Yeah, excuse me, guy. Mike. I'm waiting for the answer, and you're ruining the moment. But I don't think that the person you're describing, Howard, was just nine inches. You mean you thought he was more? Yeah. Wow. And it was too much. I love Dick. Too much. Too much. I love Dick. As much as you love Dick, though, it was too much. I love Dick. But not too big. It can be it. too much. It can be too right. much. I love dick. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I love, love it. it. Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> oh, look who it is. Pete Davidson, everybody. The oh, famous comedian right. with a big penis. Hey, hey, Pete, good to have What's you What's up? Thanks. I guess you heard us talking about big dick energy and Robin and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. I, I, I had Jay Farrow on the show yesterday, and he said at Saturday Night Live, you were always talking about your big penis. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's how I introduce myself to everyone. Like, hi, I'm Pete Davidson, and then I have a giant hog. You know, look how far <laughs> it's got me, you know? Like, yes. dicks, in general, are, like, a big part of SNL. Like, Lauren used to approve sketches by pointing his dick up 
or down, you know? Wow. I didn't like, know dick that. up, approve, dick down. I don't think so. Right. Wow. That's Troll weird. Hartman, you know who that is? Yeah. 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 Like he, he used to windmill his penis during the closing credits. It's pretty sick. <laughs> By the way, I read something about you. You've dated so many hot chicks. You started dating actress Chase. I, I don't even know if I have saying her name right. Chase Suey Wonders. How's that going? Uh, it's okay, I guess. I mean, she's not as like famous as I'm used to, you know? So it's kind of gross, but I'm making really? it work. Oh, I mean, maybe she's not a megastar like your exes, but she's been in movies and she graduated from Harvard and she seems like a catch to me. Yeah, I mean, but it's weird because, like, super mega famous pussy just tastes different. It's like, yo, you remember when Cheetos changed their recipe and went, like, all flaming hot and shit? Yeah. And then they tasted all fucked up and weird? It's like that, you know, but, like, with pussy. Jesus, come on, Pete. Hey, um, not do you nice. want a Pop-Tart? No. I, I, you're a lucky man. Be a little more up-tempo, for God's sake. Okay. I mean... I, I think I you're getting jaded. Yeah. Really? I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, say I something nice about your girlfriend. All right. Um, she's hot. Um, she likes to blow me. She makes chicken nuggets. She's got great tits. She likes pop tarts. Uh, All right. Is that good what enough? about? Why are you gonna get a? Are you gonna? A, the other thing I was thinking. Uh, you don't have to worry about Kanye West with this girl. Like Kim Kardashian, you had to look over your shoulder. Yeah, no, that that was not dope because, like, I was like a big fan of Kanye, so like, you know. Yeah, are I'm you going to get a tattoo of you new... anymore? I know, but I know you get the tattoos all the time. You going to get a tattoo of your new girlfriend? Uh, oh, like I ran out of space on my body, so like, I got to get a tattoo somewhere else. So I was thinking about putting it on my mom, you know. She's apparently like cool with it. So, mom, are you still cool tattooing my girlfriend's name on your body? Dude, Did she hear you? She's into it anymore. No, she says she's not. She's not down with it. Out, out of all, out of all the uh, beautiful women you dated, who who do you do you miss any of your famous ex girlfriends? Um, I mean, like I can't stop thinking about Kim Kardashian, mostly because like I haven't showered in five months and like. I still smell like Kim stank, you know, it's like still on. Um, what about wh where are you at? Are you done dating famous women? You know, it's being reported that Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly are not in a good place. She might be available soon. Mm, I don't know. You really think like a smoke show like Megan Fox would like actually, I don't know, like consider dating me or something. Oh, oh hold on a second. I'm getting what? Uh, Hey, dude, hold on. Hello? Hello? Fucking phone. Hello? Oh, dude. Megan Fox? Yeah. You can totally eat my ass on your Learjet tonight. <laughs> oh, just a heads up. My farts smell exactly like Cool Ranch Doritos. Um, All right. right now. Hey, dude, yeah. you're on a roll. All dude. right. Well, thanks. Thanks. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Good guys. talking to you. Yeah, you too. That was exciting. How is he getting all these women? I mean, when I he know. goes he, through his rap, he's the man. I'm like, this is not a romantic guy. No, but they, <laughs> the women love Pete. They do. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. Maybe, uh, well, maybe he'll come in with that big dick energy. Anyway, getting back to Jay Farrell, a lot of people did write in. 
Um, first of all, before we get to your romance with him, Robin, um, the, the people were very floored by his impressions, which are so good. The fact that Jay's been doing impressions since he was six years old is incredible. I'm glad he discovered his talent early. That Eddie Murphy impression was next level. Howard, I love hearing how long it takes Jay to master an impression. You can tell he's worked on his craft intensely to have the range he has today from Obama to Gilbert Gottfried. The guy is a one-man show. I uh, Here's a sample of some of the impressions Jay performed during his appearance yesterday, just to remind you, or in case you missed it. This is Eddie Murphy when Eddie Murphy doing a character. I'm Tracy Morgan. Me and Spike Lee, we coast the Knicks. We, we spit. We got salary. I, I, I mean, Howard, let me ask you a question. If you had all the responsibility of the country, uh, on your head. You, you think your hair would still be uh, black? It wouldn't. I love them externally, internally, metaphysically. I love your mind, your heart, your body, your spirit, and your soul. Denzel. And with those powers combined, I am Captain Planet. Do you understand me? Huh? I'm kind of a hot commodity, Howard. If you have a big slong, it doesn't matter if you shit all the time. Howard, man. You know what's crazy, man? These young motherfuckers, man, they don't know shit, eh? Generation Z doesn't even know had a right cursive, nigga. That's crazy, man. We were just sitting around and, you know, then all of a sudden they just started to, they started filming again. They started filming and Richard hey, we got a shark. Yeah, that one shocked me. Yeah, he, he was great. Um, yeah. Did Eddie Murphy, Tracy Morgan, President Obama, Denzel Washington, Pete Davidson, Charlie Murphy, Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> uh, and, and here again, some fans think Robin was smitten with Jay. They have theories. Was Robin salivating over Jay or what? It sure <gasps> sounded like it. He had her cracking up all morning and that huge dick is just the cherry on top. We need answers. Well, I'm not going to embarrass Robin right now. Uh, after all, she's uh, allowed to have some private thoughts. If you oh. wanted Jay, it's uh, certainly you are. Do you want to make a statement about how you felt about him romantically? I just thought he was a fascinating, uh, funny guest. Right. Leave it at that, Robin. Um, I played some clips of Spotify's new AI DJ and asked SiriusXM's heavy metal DJ Jose to weigh in. And the fans agree that it sucks. They didn't like it. They believe the robo-DJ Spotify is pushing was atrocious. They did not like it. It's now, impossible. are you going to tell them that uh, the DJ was also chat GPT? <laughs> well, anyway, the, the um, uh, Madison wanted a weigh in from uh, Lithium. She had her thoughts on AI. Hey, this is Madison from Alt Nation and Lithium. Can an AI DJ do this? Happy, happy Wednesday. It's Alt Nation with Madison. I don't think so. so there you go. They can eat a bag of dicks. <laughs> a lot of DJs very upset. Well, what do you very think that upset. means? Are it means, listen... Threatened, Feeling of threatened? course. Yeah. Yes, right. yes. You know management, they always shit on the DJs. I mean, <laughs> of course, been threatened even before there was AI. <laughs> By the way, we also did a bit yesterday, just to wrap up the fan mail, because so many of you wrote in about this topic. We were discussing the creepiest moments ever on the show. There were yes. three of them that we pointed out, and people said, you know, Howard, there's so many more. Um, Howard, Ronnie, JD, and South stories are nauseating, but you completely forgot about the time Gary was amused by a girl taking a shit covered in his cum. Gary had <sighs> sex with a girl. It led to anal sex. 
And uh, here, Robin, in case you forgot that story, um, you know, this guy makes a good After point. After it's done on the toilet, it could come out just regular or it could come out when you take a shit. Right. Who showed that to you, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody called you into the bathroom? Coming. It was a long time ago. Let's just say that. <laughs> he said, oh, my God, I took a shit and there's your cum is all over it? I don't think, like, I went in and looked at it. I think she told me, and I sort of, like, walked by. But I remember thinking, what? I, didn't know what? That I didn't know that that's how it went. Like, I did wonder where it went, and then she said it's in there. He wondered where it went. <laughs> <laughs> because I think they were discovering it for the first time as well. So they were like, oh, my God. It's like two explorers. Yeah. <laughs> Lewis and Clark. The Lewis and Clark of anal. <laughs> I mean, who who could have forgotten that one? That was horrible. There was even oh. a song about She shots up shady calm into the bowl. I saw two turds and my creamy load. Shady Cobb came out with a fart. It was gooey white, brown, smelly, thick and dark. She took my load in her behind. Then she crapped out like whipped cream on chocolate pie. Shit my cum before you go, go. Don't leave my load inside your asshole. All right, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, shit before you go, go. Don't leave my load inside your Inside your asshole. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, Gary has the same excuse that Sal does. I was young. <laughs> This one was, uh, I remember when J.D. revealed the peanut butter story. The funniest part about that whole confession was it was overshadowed. Richard casually saying he fucked a roll of paper towels. That story is my favorite. This is what this listener says. And to take you down memory lane, here you go. I would take a magazine and put it on my futon and take the middle out of a roll of paper towels and lube it up and have sex with that. And it was almost like a real woman. <laughs> almost. Oh boy. Yeah. Wow. Well, anyway, there are a lot of pervy stories that went on here over the years. It's hard to pick out just one, two, or three, for that matter, as to uh, what was the most pervy. Anyway, that's from the fans. Um, in a moment, I will uh, take a break, and then I will be speaking um, in a very emotional conversation with Dr. Agus. about yeah, well, I've got to. He's got to figure out how to get me out of the house. So I'm going to talk to him about that, <laughs> and then I'm going to talk to him about his good new luck, book, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, good luck is right. He's had this conversation <laughs> with me off the air, but anyway, we'll talk to uh, Doctor Agus about his fabulous new book, The Book of Animal Secrets: Nature's Lessons for a Long and Happy Life. That's coming out on March seventh. Doctor Agus is here. He's written a new book, Doctor David Agus, The Book of Animal Secrets. Nature's Lessons for a Long and Happy Life will be available March 7th. And what that means is we can live longer if we learn from the animal kingdom. How many times I got to tell you dummies that? Poor Dr. Eggers <laughs> keeps saying it over and over again. And uh, nobody is listening. But Nobody's listening. Nobody listens. Dr. David Eggers, look at you. I was thinking about you the other night. You know, with your background in education, you must have been the pride of your family. because. <laughs> You know, I mean, to have a son, your parents must have really been in love with you. To have a son who's so academically gifted. You went to University of Pennsylvania, right? I went to Princeton undergrad and University of Pennsylvania Medical School. Jesus. Oh, my God. That's the creme de la creme. That's every, that's, every, <laughs> that's every mother's dream, right? You were the dream. I had amazing parents and an amazing childhood and was certainly very privileged to do what I did. 
Were you always academically gifted? In other words, did you skip grades? Did uh, people, uh, did teachers always want to know you, take credit for you? What was that like? I was literally the geekiest kid around. Is that when other kids were out playing ball, I was in the laboratory. I started in the lab as a young teen and would spend nights playing with mice and rats, doing experiments, trying to develop better understanding of the immune system. Uh, yeah, I wasn't the normal kid. So you knew from an early age that you would be a doctor. I mean, for you to be experimenting and looking into things, you, you, you kind of had the calling early on, right? I fell in love with science at a very young age. And so, you know, to me, science was everything. Trying to develop new ideas in the lab was what I was passionate about. And then it came, I want to use these ideas, and that's where medicine came from. So medicine was step two, but science in the lab was step one. So when you would go to school as a young child, would you laugh at idiots like me? Would you sit there and go, <laughs> how the fuck does this guy not get it? Like, in other words, I was, I, you know, my biology teacher wanted to throw me out. Of, Mrs. Robinson wanted to throw me out of her classroom. I mean, literally, because I was so stupid. Would you be like, why are people, so, in other words, when you're at your level, and I don't know, have you ever had your IQ tested? No. Is that true? Or are you you're just being modest? It's true. I don't believe you. I believe you do know your IQ, and I believe it's very high. When you took the SAT uh, to get into college, did you get a perfect score? I did not get a perfect score. I can guarantee you that. Listen, I, I was a hard worker. A lot of people, things come easy. I worked hard. I, we didn't have Google back then. We didn't really have computers. I was in the library getting books, trying to read things, trying to learn more. Um, and I, I mean, I loved science. But my best friend back then, back in the day, we know each other since fourth grade. He was my roommate in college. He was in the six-year medical program. Like you, he was brilliant. And one time I asked him for math advice. I was struggling. And he goes, how do you not know this? Like, he couldn't relate <laughs> to how stupid I was. It, it must be hard for you to relate to dummies, you know, to the average guy who walks around. You know what I mean? It, you must be like, God, what a miserable existence these people must have. They don't even understand basic algebra. How do they You know function? what I mean? <laughs> no, listen, everybody has their own skill set. I'm not good at personal relations. I, it's very hard for me to have small talk with people and do other things. I, there's certain things I am bad at. There's no question about it. But right. the science was good. I still remember the moment I read Andromeda Strain by Michael Crichton. And I was like, holy shit, this science is awesome. Look what it can do. I mean, literally opened my mind. It was kind of wild. What do you think of this TV show? I'm, you're probably not watching it because you're too smart. But uh, it's called, it's on HBO. It's uh, it's like The, the Last, Last of, of Us. Us. It's called. Yeah, yeah. And, and what do you make of this where the, the reason the zombies are created is because ants evidently get a certain disease, a fungus, that immobilizes them and turns them into cannibals. They basically start eating other ants. What about that? Maybe a fungus one day. If COVID was created in a, a Chinese laboratory, as they're now saying, maybe one day this ant thing will uh, be transferred to human beings. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, first of all, it wasn't created in a Chinese lab. It escaped from a Chinese lab. So this was a what natural do you virus. What do you make of that? Isn't that despicable? There was a woman, um, a scientist, who was collecting coronaviruses from bat droppings all over China. And the idea was find out what's similar in all of the coronaviruses, the common cold, 
so you can make a vaccine to prevent all common colds. So certainly a good uh, uh, intention. Right. And what probably happened is that it dropped on someone's shoelaces, got aerosolized, and left the lab. There's no evidence it was manipulated. There is no evidence that humans created this virus. But clearly, we know this lab had poor practices. Our government helped fund this lab. Um, but they were poor practices, and those poor practices led to the virus getting out. And, you know, obviously, we had a hell of a three years. Um, and for most of the country, it's over. For you, I know it's still ongoing. Um, well, yes, but it, it is. But, 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 but Dr. Eggers, this scares yes. me, that there are not laboratory protocols that prevent a pandemic. In other words, what do we... This is the worst part of the story. Now, I didn't know we funded... The lab that uh, where this happened, yes, I didn't know we did that. that lab. Yeah. No kidding, that we drives were one me crazy. Of multiple funders. Yeah, I mean, listen, and this was a respectable lab. There are also labs out there that are not respectable that are trying to use and weaponize viruses and other things, and that really is scary. There's no question about it. We've entered a realm of science where it can be used for bad as well as for good. And certainly we need regulations there. You know, you saw just a couple of years ago in China, they used CRISPR, the DNA editing tool, to edit an embryo. And then ch- women gave birth with children with edited genes. And so obviously no regulation. And it is scary what is going on or what could go on. What do you think of that? What, on the one hand, why not edit genes and make us better, stronger humans, maybe eventually even humans that are so strong that they, we don't get cancer, we don't get certain diseases. I mean, there might be a noble cause there. But then what is the ethical answer to editing genes? Right. Well, in this case, they edited genes that did not make the children better. Um, right. They edited a particular gene that was irrelevant to their long-term life expectancy. And so certainly was not in the interest of the kids. And these enzymes are promiscuous. They don't just do one thing. They can edit other parts by mistake. And then we don't know how all the genes are connected. So our science is not yet ready for that. Yet it's still important. I mean, this enzyme, CRISPR, is a big one. I know you remember the day. It was about five years ago, September 1st. It's a big day. You were probably having a party. It's when they announced Molecule of the Year. It's probably yes. the biggest day in science. We all get up. You know, we put in our tuxes and we get together. But CRISPR, this molecule that can change one of the letters of the three billion letters of our DNA code, opened a new era. But there's that, you know, great Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think now we need that on a global basis. You know, we don't have global health leadership. We don't have global science leadership. And that's going to be an issue going forward as the tools become more ubiquitous and anybody can use them. And you know what's sad? I see how they go after Dr. Fauci now, if I can get a little political. You know, a guy like yourself, you know, I would say to you, Dr. Regis, you should be the guy to help the world to have a worldwide health regulatory commission that would look over these labs and what everyone's up to and look into the ethics. But why would you ever go into public life? They crucify anybody with half a brain and and they uh, and they put them there. You know, they put them through the ringer. Do you agree with that? I mean, it's it's insane. Well, I am trying to help on a global basis regulate these things. But at the same point, you're right, is that we've pushed people out of going into science, going into leadership positions because of the media. And because it is very, very polarizing. Who would think that science is polarizing? You know, I've known Tony Fauci for several decades. I mean, he's an amazing individual, has faults. 
I don't agree with some of the things he says and some of the things he does, but he is a public servant and we have to respect that. And we can't attack those people and we can't attack science and make it political, which we did. And it really is turning off many people from going into these leadership roles. And it's scary. It is scary. The world has become a very scary place. I, I, maybe that's what happens when you get older. You realize how scary the world is, but it does seem much scarier. I have very practical questions. First of all, I am still struggling because I read your new book. And again, you make the point that aspirin is the greatest cancer fighter that we know of. Taking a regular low dose of aspirin every day and you talk about this ad nauseum. And I am still not taking my low dose of aspirin every day because it irritates my stomach. I do not feel good when I take this low dose of aspirin. What am I going to do? I, I You want me on it. I, you told me multiple times to go on it, and yet I'm not doing it. All right. Well, let's take a step back. So the coolest thing, and this is what the book really taught me, is you know, I was in Africa, and these elephants came by. We're on a safari with the kids. Coolest trip we ever took. And these elephants are a 100 times bigger than you or I. A hundred times more cells. And we're always taught that, you know, the more cells, the more chance of a mutation when they divide, the more chance of cancer. And I've talked to the guide and the guy goes, hey, elephants don't get cancer. And I almost fell over. I'm like, what? how can that be? And when you start to look at elephants and we, we actually look at the genome of elephants, you and I have a gene called P53. It corrects the error in the DNA. It's called the guardian of the genome. It's good for us. We have one copy. Every elephant on every continent has 20 copies. This gene corrects error in DNA from inflammation. Key there, inflammation. So, you know, humans, by the time we hit 30s or 40s, we had our children. Actually, if nature got rid of us, there was more food and housing for the next generation. Elephant females give birth until their 70s. The dominant male protects the herd until the day he dies, so they couldn't afford to get cancer. So blocking inflammation is key. A baby aspirin a day has been shown definitively to be reduce the death rate, not just the incidence, the death rate of cancer by 30%. Wow. It can reduce, you know, some of these adenocarcinomas, prostate, lung, breast by 50%. So those are big, big numbers. But you're right. It can irritate the stomach and it can actually cause bleeding disorders. So people with a big family history, they need to be on it or talk about it to their doctor. Other people, probably the side effects may outweigh the benefit. It's not clear. But the real question to me is aspirin came in the 1930s from Germany. Why haven't we made a second generation that doesn't affect your stomach? Why haven't we made a second generation that doesn't affect bleeding? We have to improve these things. Why? There's why is no one? Well, why? Why is no one improving it? Because it's in the it's in the public domain. I mean, there's not a lot of money to be made from that because it's the public. And so, I think we have to shift this focus now uh, away from making money from drugs and other things to really what the world needs. There are certain medicines, certain interventions we need as a globe. And we need to figure out efforts to do that because we have no choice. So when people complain that the United States, you know, puts money into research and things like that, they're like, why are they spending our money on that? Wouldn't it be great if we as a, a people all agreed to create a better to, to pay a company just like we paid money to develop a covid vaccine to develop better aspirin? Wouldn't that be a game changer for the United States? And the world certainly seems seems it to me. There are a lot of technologies and drugs and interventions that we need. And the priority of our research dollars should be on those. And that's the problem funded, with our country, though, Dr. Agus, because we got let's face it, 
most of the country, a bunch of morons. They don't even understand simple fucking concepts. So you say to them, hey, we're going to take we're going to take our tax dollars and put it into developing aspirin. What do you mean? Aspirin. Uh, we, you know, got uh, we got that over it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, how do you deal with that? It's just impossible. But it's also the science side, right? I mean, a lot of scientists will say, hey, listen, I want to study my pathway. I want to study something really intellectual. I don't want to study aspirin. So I do think we both have to step up and push there. And, you know, the public dollars are funding science that needs to benefit us in the long run. It also needs to fund basic science to enable those discoveries yes. to happen. But we have to push that, no question about it. Yeah, and then they're busy attacking Fauci, a guy who actually devoted himself to public service. We're in a bind. You call aspirin the, quote, the cheapest fountain of youth around. <laughs> That's pretty heavy. I got to take a look into that and say, fuck my stomach. I got to take my aspirin <laughs> and get that. You know what I mean? So I get a couple of holes in my stomach. Who cares? I got to say, buffered aspirin. aspirin help him? Buffered aspirin. Yes, buffered aspirin can certainly help with the stomach. And you know, there's also the class of drugs called statins, which can also reduce cancer and heart disease by blocking, tempering down inflammation. There's changing behavior. There's diet. There are many things one can do short of a pill that can also enable us to live longer and better. And we have to do them. We have a notion in our country, do whatever you want, smoke, sit all day, be as large as you want. At age 65, we will pay for the healthcare ramifications of your behavior. That has to change. So, you know, you got me crazy because you were talking about, I forget which animal or insect or something you were talking about in the book, but you said, this leads me to believe we must get up every hour and move around for at least two minutes. That will add years to our life and a better quality of life. Mm -hmm. What was the discovery there? What was the animal group that got you thinking about movement? So is when you fish? look at animals in general, um, there, yeah. there certainly is data on the fish. There's certainly data on you know, many other animals in nature. They're always moving, right? I mean, our lymphatics that control our immune system have no muscle in their wall. It's the rhythmic contraction of your legs when you walk that make your body work. And so just a couple hours a week extra of moving will make you live longer. It's relatively simple. Yet we've designed our society for the opposite, right? The richer you are, the more bathrooms in your house. So you don't even have to go room to room to go to the bathroom. The more important you are in your company, the closer your parking space is to your desk. We've kind of designed our society for the opposite. Right. The successful people don't have to move themselves. You're right. That's so true. You said humans are fish out of water. That stuck yeah. with me. Humans are fish out of water. In other words... Genetically, we, hey, we crawled out of the ocean and we are tied genetically to fish, which is why moving more helps avoid aches and pains. It's as simple as that. As a fish, we were moving around like crazy. And now that we have legs and we have a modern society, we're not out there moving around enough. Therefore, we die. It's, uh, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of great concepts in the book. I recommend people read it. Uh, but first, I must tell you, there is a section. I felt so bad for you when I looked at the book. There's a thank you section uh, where you thank people. That is the worst part of being an author. I would have suggested to you you thank no one because even I looked at it. I said, I wonder if Dr. Agus thanked me. I mean, not that he should, but and then I saw my name on there. And, of course, uh, you put it in alphabetically, but I was upset that I came after Robin because she's quicker than I'm stern. <laughs> and I and I you know what I mean? And do people get upset with you that they weren't thanked? Because I think I would have been upset if I hadn't been thanked. But 
who am I to be thanked? It's a dangerous yeah, thing uh, to put in a book. I've already realized that I forgot people and I feel horrible about it. But I, do, I mean, I do have to thank both Robin and you. you. You've helped me get a message out there about health, about prevention and to an audience that I wouldn't normally reach. And who did you I forget to thank? That. Who did you forget to thank? <laughs> Name a person who was insulted, called you up and said, listen, you know, I see One you thank the- Joe Biden, Tony Blair, uh, Bill Clinton. Al Gore, Gail King, Mila Kunis, Ashton Kutcher, Shari Redstone. Shari Redstone. <laughs> Hi, Shari. Uh, Steven Spielberg. I mean, these are wonderful people. Right. But We don't have to go through all those names. Who, but who did you forget? One of the scientists, actually the one who did the research on the elephants. I thanked all the scientists I talked to. I forgot him. So it'll oh. be in. The, we updated the electronic edition. I update, It'll be in the next uh, edition. But I forgot him, and I, I feel horrible. What is his um, name? Can you give us his name so we can thank him? Uh, um, yeah, he, he's an, a scientist at Arizona State University. I don't want to mention the name because I don't want to single out individual scientists without his permission. Um, but he's a fantastic researcher on elephants. Can you imagine this guy's life? He's looking at the book, and he says, you know, I came up with all this research and blah, blah, blah. And Steven Spielberg is being thanked. No offense. <laughs> I did the hard work. What did Spielberg do? Spielberg. Steven, Steven, when I moved to Los Angeles, you know, I was a little known researcher, scared to death, didn't have a little resources. And Steven backed me for my first years, helped me set up my institute and really took care of me for years. Wow. And his philanthropy enabled me to get started with my research program. So I owe wow. so much to Stephen caring and giving back. He realized that he was tremendously successful and he needed to give back to help others. And I was lucky to be one of the ones he chose to help. You mean to tell me, how does this come up? In other words, you're this uh, guy, brilliant doctor, you you graduate school, you move out to Los Angeles. Uh, Steven Spielberg hears about you and decides he's going to back you and put up money to to support your research. This is unbelievable. I mean, this is the most magnanimous thing I've ever heard. Steven set up an institute, um, the Spielberg Center for me that I headed, um, it was at Cedar Sinai at the time. And the most amazing part is, you know, we did really well. It was going well. And Cedar said, I'm not going to renew your contract. You know, you got too big and whatever. And so I was scared to death. What do I do? I've got all these mouths to feed. I had 40 people working for me in the lab doing research. And, uh, uh Eli Broad, another guy in town said, Hey, listen, come to USC. And we set it up. And Stephen changed the philanthropy to go to USC. He moved it with me. He was an amazing individual wow. who I owe a lot to. Well, and, and that's an incredible story. I mean, this is stuff you never hear about. And the guy cared enough about research. And I mean, it's great. Now, do you get to, do you get free screenings of his movies? Do you get invited to a red carpet <laughs> event, or it doesn't go that far? I've been to a couple of the screenings and it's fun. Um, uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It's not my world, so it's very right. uncomfortable, but it's fun to see. And you get to see these creations. I was once with him and his mother at her restaurant and we were talking, obviously, medical. And she goes, you know, if I had known my son, Stephen, would be so successful when I had my hysterectomy, I would have bronzed my uterus. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. You know, I'm thinking about this poor researcher you didn't uh, you didn't mention in the book. I mean, he probably, you know, Mila Kunis over the research scientist is a bad Mila luck. is on the board of my institute. So really? Mila, Mila is in the board of our institute. She helps us with our philanthropy and, wow. you know, on the board of directors and helps the institute. And she has, you know, been amazing to give her time again to help our institute, to help people and to educate people about science and medicine. 
Okay, I'm going to ask you a very, uh, that you address this in the book. You talk about erectile dysfunction. 26% of men who deal with it are under 40 years old. This is alarming to me. I am still, I, you know my age. Uh, I still get a full erection on my own. I am not on anything. Uh, I don't mind telling you this information. I am uh, able to get fully aroused. I'm not kidding. Now, um, and that's important to me. So this is a subject we should talk about. But the big question is, I have read, and I want to know truth from, you know, I want to know if this is true. I have read that a man must ejaculate 26 times a month in order to keep away prostate cancer. Is there any truth to this? No truth to that at all. There's really? no data. That, yes. <laughs> because I was yelling, I mean, discussing with my wife the other day that she's way under her quote. Like, she's got to step up these numbers. I am completely paranoid, and I've been masturbating like a maniac. And you know I can't hit that number. I mean, as virile as I am, I can't hit uh, 26 times 26 a month. 26 times. I mean, I'm rubbed raw here. I, I'm so suffering. By, by you saying you know... I can't hit that number as if I know your masturbatory uh, You do. I talked to you up here. I've talked to you about this. I mean, I, I'm so paranoid. I swear to you, I'm so glad you said there's no truth to that because, I mean, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but I'm masturbating right now. I'm so on a schedule with this thing. I don't want to stop. But So you say that that's a uh, old wives tale or something. It certainly is an old wives tale. Um, wow. you know, we were made okay. to have sexual activity um, and that's certainly very important. But the quantity doesn't uh, actually wow. reduce things like prostate cancer. God bless you. God bless you. Because I've been driving you know, myself. Well, I was going to say, do you know who the animal is that has the most sex? Which I'm an animal. animal has I think Ronnie Mund would be the answer to that one. <laughs> now, here's the other thing that scared the hell out of me about the new book, Dr. Agus. Yeah. Uh, cancer is more likely in tall people. You say... Because taller people have more cells, more opportunity. Is this, this is at least my understanding. Yeah. Why are tall people more at risk for cancer? What we know is that the, the largest of every species has the relatively shortest life expectancy. Um, that doesn't mean you can't be large and live a long life. We can do that. And that just means you need to focus on the prevention and all the things that I know you are doing. Listen, you take care of yourself remarkably well. You are very self-aware. And that's one of the keys, right, is, you know, with diet and with exercise, all of those things. I'm not worried about you um, at all. I, I follow everything you say. Dr. Agus put me on a diet. I'm on the Mediterranean diet. I stick to it strictly. I do everything you say. So if I don't live a long life, I'm blaming you. Uh, <laughs> you're the guy who uh, treats me. So uh, I, there it I is. take responsibility. You know, they always said to me as a kid, tall people, you never see any old tall people. And, you know, I used to think that was a bullshit kind of statement to make. And I thought it was kind of cruel because I'm 6'5". But, uh, you know, you say there's some... Some truth to it, but the, but the nice thing I got from the book that you said, 75 to 89% of people diagnosed with cancer today will survive. Yeah. We're getting that good at treating cancer. 
We really are. Um, we certainly aren't curing all cancer. and People are still suffering, and I feel horrible for the ones that are. But we're getting better at treating it and giving people quality years with the drugs we have. It's amazing. I mean, look at Jimmy Carter now, right? Jimmy Carter is 98 years old. Seven years ago, was diagnosed with melanoma that had gone to the brain. And he's lived a quality seven years. And that would have been science fiction, you know, a decade or two ago. It's amazing. It really is. Some of, some of, some of the advances are just unbelievable. And, you know, it's even with this whole thing, you know, we're, Bruce Willis has been in the news. I was watching you on uh, mm-hmm. CBS this morning talking about that diagnosis. This dementia seems more and more out of control, but it makes sense because we're living longer. And I think that's the scariest thing, what, what happened to Bruce Willis. And you were saying that like 7% of dementia happens in guys 40 and 50s. Seven percent. It's a genetic thing and it just happens. And that's what happened to Bruce Willis, I guess. I mean, you don't know his case or maybe you do, but that that's kind of the indication, right, that he got this genetic dementia. Yeah, I mean, the dementia he has, this frontotemporal, which it says where it is in the brain, that kind of dementia. It certainly can be genetic, and that's very worrisome. You, you know, at the same time, get a load of this. This is the wildest study ever done. Google bought the Ancestry.com database, and they sequenced all the genes, and they said, hey, listen, let's find the gene for longevity. Because I want, you know, they wanted to make people live longer. And what percent of longevity do you think is genetic? Hmm. Come on. Let's well, see. I don't how, know. How, how, do, do you tell me? Four percent. Four Oh, percent, oh, really? which means 96% is in your control. That to me is the most positive study in the world. You in wow. charge your own health. In fact, you can know how long you will live. If you look at your spouse's mother, how long she lived more accurately than if you sequence your whole genome, you marry people with similar behaviors. If you're marry a smoker, because you are a smoker um, and, and they have behaviors similar to their parents. If they listen to what doctors said and respected it, classically, the child does too, and then you do also. And so it's an, an amazing, amazing thing. What an amazing stat. In other words, we've always been told, oh, your mother lived to 95, you're going to live to 95. And we put so much credence in that. Then you go out and you trash your body, and you die at 60, and everyone goes, well, why'd you die? You, should, you, had, you had great genetics. So the genetics only count 4%. That's it. Right. It's your behavior. You're in charge of you. And I think that's powerful. Listen, dementia is horrible. It is one of the most difficult things to watch in a loved one. But we can't measure this organ, the brain, at all. right? Yeah. We don't have a way of looking at brain function that is very accurate. And there's a problem there. Probably the most important organ in our body to define us as a human. And we can't measure it. We don't know how it works. I don't know how the brain works, and that's very frustrating. And so most of these dementias, the Alzheimer's and the others, we don't really know yet why they happen. We can't really understand them. There's some amazing observations, and this is one that I talk to you about all the time, is every year you delay retirement, you reduce the incidence of Alzheimer's by almost 35 to 4%. So a 20-year span, that could be a 60 to 70% reduction in the incidence of Alzheimer's. You need to make yourself uncomfortable every day. You don't use it. You lose it is real. I was just going to bring that up. You took the words right out of my mouth. You drive me crazy. Every time I tell you, I got to get out of this business, I'm going to retire. <laughs> I got three more years left on this contract, and then I'm going to relax. And you say to me, no, make yourself uncomfortable. 
going to work. It challenges your brain. It'll keep, you know, you're, but you're right. These guys retire and then their brain turns to mush. So you're on to something. No, I mean, that's, listen, we all know that people who are functional to their 90s and whatever, they're engaged. They don't have to do their primary job, but they're doing something that gets them out of their comfort zone. And that's what's key. How many people retire and just sit around and play golf or just, you know, watch TV? They don't do very well. Yes, you're right. And, you know, you, I tied a bunch of things together. You, you, you stated a bunch of facts in your, in your book. You said people with narcissism may be at higher risk for dementia. And then you also, and you, and I tied this together because it was interesting. You said people need more hugs every day to live longer. And I thought about it. People with narcissism, what is narcissism? They don't think they need anyone. I, I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anyone. So that's why people with narcissism probably are more affected by disease. Certainly could be. You know, there's a hormone called oxytocin. It's the love hormone. If I look at you in the eye and that bond is there, my oxytocin goes up. I look at my dog, Georgie, and my oxytocin goes up. She stimulates my oxytocin. That hormone relaxes our blood vessels, lowers our blood pressure, and is dramatic in terms of living better. We all need some of that oxytocin. A hug stimulates that oxytocin, that hormone. This hormone is critical. Now, nobody hugs me. I mean, once in a while, my wife will hug me if, you know, if I get her in the bed. But you recommend eight hugs a day to raise this oxytocin. And I got, you know, you got me thinking, we really don't get those hugs. Now, I'm not getting them with this, you know, listen, I'm still living a life with this COVID. And I've called you many times off the air. I'm still afraid of getting it. I'm still locked up in my house. But, you know, I, I mean... Maybe I should just go out, fuck it, no more masks, go to restaurants, do everything, and just get the fucking thing already. I mean, I know enough people who've had it. I am inoculated. I'm vaccinated. Maybe I should just go get it because this is getting crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want anyone coming over. I test everyone who comes over. Maybe I'm being too cautious. What, I mean, what, I'm not hugging anybody. So 95% of the country has had COVID already, and obviously a significant portion of the country has been vaccinated. So 95% have had COVID in addition to the vaccines. Is that so true? That's a very 95%? Yes. 95% of the country, by the current studies, have had COVID. So in March, they did a study, you're going to love this, is they looked at the, the, the combined wastewater of airplanes, and they said people coming into the United States, how many of these flights had COVID? 81% did in March. That number is down to around 9% now. So the incidence of COVID around is going down, and we know that. We all have immunity. People are getting it, and they're mildly in, you know, symptomatic at all. So we're doing much better at dealing with it. You couple having had COVID with the vaccine, and you're pretty well protected. You are fully vaccinated, I know, and you are protected. So if you got it, you get a bad cold at most. Um, but it's a personal decision. What am I going to do? I mean, I'm going, this is crazy. I got to start living my life again. I'm living in total paranoia. You're running around. I know you're playing tennis. You're going out to dinner. You're not restricting yourself. You're on planes, right? And you're not wearing a mask. You're, you're not restricting yourself. We have a surprise for you. Beth and I found 20 strangers on the street and they're at your door right now and they're going to come in and hug you. <laughs> they're going to come in and hug him. But, but what Davis, about what about Howard now having lowered his immunity by staying away from everybody? 
I haven't even had a cold in three years. Yeah, I mean, so what we're seeing is is that by those three years with no cold, no flu, none of those things, I mean, you had the flu vaccine, which is good, but you, you, right. you know, you didn't have colds in others. Yes, you are more susceptible to those things. You know, we had a pause in our exposure to pathogens, to viruses and bacteria over this period. And when you do get them, you can get a little bit sicker. So at some point we need to reenter society. I think that's clear. I think you have enough immunity now to be able to do that. We also have Paxlovid, which is remarkably effective against the current variants if we need it. And I don't think we're going to in you. I think you're healthy and don't have other medical conditions I'm worried about. Um, but this is a personal decision. I can't force you to do anything. As well, you know I got to well. go out. I'm turning into Howard Hughes. I got to get my <laughs> shit together. I, I just got to get over it and go. And that's it. I mean, what about long COVID? I shouldn't worry about that long term COVID. People who were vaccinated like you, fully vaccinated, the incidence of long-term COVID is negligible, right. very, very low. So, you know, listen, Howard Hughes had some good things. He invented the underwire bra. That's right. He sure did. Howard <laughs> Hughes invented the bra. That's wild. It also means he was probably the biggest pervert on the planet. He was worried about women's breasts. I mean, you talk of it. It's, it's just crazy. Some of the things we can learn from animals, by the way, Dr. Agus came in today because his book, The Book of Animal Secrets, Nature's Lessons for a Long and Happy Life, will be available on March 7th. All your books. What? This is your third book, I think? Yeah, third book. It's my fourth book. Fourth book. Is it? They're all, they've all been bestsellers, right? This is a big deal. They've all been New York Times bestsellers. And, and you know, it, it's a privilege. I mean, you didn't, ex they didn't expect it at first to be well, but data driven health people care about. And I think that's important. This one is and, amazing though, because it's just so powerful to me that we need to care about animals because we have so much to learn from them. Yes. In other words, uh, you mentioned elephants, but we also learn that pigeons, pigeons teach us instinct. Do I have that right? They're remarkable creatures. I mean, you know, obviously you remember, you know, because uh, of your age in World War One, we sent pigeons out, you know, as a way to send messages. They choose landmarks, right? They look around, they get their landmarks, and those instincts actually help them go from place to place, and they remember where to go. And to me, that's just amazing. We need to do that same. I mean, how many times do we just don't pay attention when we walk? The key thing is pay attention, start to look at these landmarks. The idea of pattern recognition with physical activity is what our brain evolved for, right? When he or she can make the, 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 the kill in the wild or collect, you know, the, the hunter gatherers, when they made their way back to the village, that's who survived. And we've given up that. So physical activity and pattern recognition together are critical. And those pigeons teach us about that. In other words, we have a lot to learn from animals. And we we have to are we is the point of the book that we're tricking our bodies into thinking that we're younger. In other words, in the way that the elephant keeps producing and taking care that the elephant has more responsibility. If we could trick our bodies into thinking that we're younger, you know, more virile and more uh, aware, somehow we're transmitting to our bodies that we're still useful members of society in a way yeah i mean 
When you look in nature, animals live their life expectancy. You put them in zoos, actually life expectancy goes down. One right. of the most amazing things of going to Africa is every animal is afraid. The elephant is afraid somebody will eat their baby. That deer is afraid the lion will eat them. They're all afraid. We as humans, we basically created our own zoo. Our home is our zoo. And so we're putting ourselves into this environment, this zoo, and we have to figure out ways to game our system to live longer because we're living in the zoo. And I think that's what's important, right? The zoo means we don't move a lot. We have to figure out ways to move. We look at all these animals in nature and we have to learn from them. And we can. The lessons are just crazy. Well, you also say in the book that fear, what you just talked about, fear mm -hmm is actually good for the immune system. It stimulates things. In other words, if we put ourselves, when that deer is in danger, it releases something chemically into the body, right? Yeah, and those adrenalines are good for us, right? We all know it. When you go to speak publicly, that adrenaline goes up, and it makes you perform. That football player, that basketball player before a game, they pump their adrenaline up. And that enables them to do things they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. All too often, we do what's easy. I do the right. exercises I like because I'm good at them. I want you to get out of your comfort zone. That's what's critical for our body and our long-term success. Do the things that are difficult. You know, I play tennis because I'm not good at it. So it pushes me to do things that actually get me out of my comfort zone, which is great. So when we're exercising and, uh, you know, you go, oh, I can't do it anymore. It hurts my head. It hurts that. that. You say, no, 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 try to push through it a little bit. I mean, you don't want to do something crazy, but you also, you know, I look at Mick Jagger. The guy's almost 80 years old. He looks to me like he's in really good shape. He moves around like a young man, but he probably, you know, he goes into dance studios and dances every day, he dances around. That's got to be difficult at his age, but it probably keeps him young. It keeps him, you're right, it probably does something internally by pushing past his comfort zone. He's, you know, he's engaged. He has enough money, I am sure, to retire, but he doesn't do that. He keeps pushing. Every time he has an album out, he puts himself out for potential failure. But that's always has to be scary. Every artist that comes up with something is afraid that somebody won't like it, right? And that gets that adrenaline going and he gets uncomfortable. He keeps doing that and that's what keeps him going. Every time you do a show, you, and Robin, you put yourselves out there for people right. to potentially criticize it. And that uncomfortableness, if you will, is what keeps you engaged and going. And that's important. And that's what I hate about this job the most. It's really funny that you say that. I was thinking the other day, why do I, why did all these years do I love radio and also hate it? The worst part of it is you put something out there and then the criticism comes and that fear of criticism. And you're right, though, in a way... That does keep me motivated and sharp, too. Mm -hmm. And you said in the book, fear can lead you to think clearly and become more motivated. And it's true. When you put yourself in a zoo, in a cage, where you're protected from everything, you're no longer behaving like an animal, in a sense. A free animal that has to deal with a lot. So what you're saying is when you lock yourself in your house and you don't go out into <laughs> society and see yes. Oh my gosh, it's all coming together. I gotta, now. Get, I gotta get out. I mean, why, why, oh thank you. Robin. With science being so powerful, why aren't we curing more ailments? Like, um, I'm thinking about baldness, number one. Why has someone not figured out a way 
on that little patch of someone's head to put some hair on there. I and mean, when is that going to happen, Dr. Agus? And what are you going to do about it? So there's actually some data now on a new compound that, you know, by the time you and I hit age 25, our stem cells go to sleep. So if you, I'm losing hair. If you look up here, my hair stem cells are here. They're just asleep. And there's now a compound in clinical trials that if you rub it on, we'll grow hair here, the original color. If I put it on my cheek, no hair grows because the hair stem cells aren't there. And so it actually looks very encouraging. As long as the safety data hold up, I would imagine in the next year or two, it's available. Um, wow. And we're getting more of these things now. Science is just exploding. The idea that I could take a fat cell from you and create it into a stem cell and then use those stem cells to actually repair uh, uh, tissues in your body is real and it's happening. Yamanaka in Japan first showed, they're called the Yamanaka factors that can make stem cells grow. And that field is going to be something that makes all of us live better longer. Do you think that could lead to curing blindness? Because some yes. blindness, it, it would. So the first trials he's doing with these stem cells are in blindness in Japan. Um, I was actually with the president of University of Kyoto yesterday who was telling me about the ongoing trials with this because they're in Kyoto in Japan. And there's certainly a lot of encouraging things happening there about using these stem cells to, to help tissues that have had issues, like in this case, the retina with blindness, come back. Wow. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, my God. Have they actually restored someone's sight using stem cells? It hasn't been done yet, has it? They're, the clinical trials are ongoing now, and I know there's some improvement in these people. They're taking people who haven't lost all of it, but who've lost some to get them improved, and there's clearly some improvement seen. And now you were talking also in the book about artificial intelligence. Do you think that we are on the verge of really big scientific discoveries because of this AI? Because this, these computers can think so quickly. Uh, I can only imagine what you guys are working on using artificial intelligence. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, what do you mean? You, so, you know, it used to be if I want, if a woman had breast cancer, for example, I would stick a needle in and then I'd have to look at the genes to know what was on and off. And I develop what she's going to get hormone therapy or chemotherapy. Or I just needed to remove it. But now with AI, I get you to look at how the cells are arranged and I don't have to wait three weeks to get the genetic information back. It doesn't cost thousands of dollars. It actually costs nothing. And instantaneously, I know your electronic health record, which is where we keep all of the data about Howard Stern. You know, it's it's been a lot of words, a bag of words, but now it's being changed to structured data. And with AI, you know, people with disease will be the answer for disease they're not going to be the problem in society and so that's what's so exciting is wow. the data is there for us to make inroads a woman with ovarian cancer who's on a beta blocker which is an inexpensive drug for blood pressure lives year longer years longer we found that from big data we didn't find that from biology and so it's going to be really exciting that we learn from all these observations in the book you say in the near future, AI will help decode animal to animal communication. Are you, I think what you were implying when I read it was that we might start to understand what animals are thinking about. In other words, we might actually have a breakthrough. I'll know what my dog is thinking kind of thing. Is that what you're implying? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, we're getting close. I mean, there's certainly always AI programs now that if a dog can have certain sounds, it can know when they're hungry, when they want to go out by their sounds. And we're going to get better and better that across all creatures. You know, we've all been on the earth for a million years and we all evolved to live under the same conditions. So the notion that we can learn from every species on this earth ways to hack the human system around health is real. If we can understand what these amazing creatures are saying it's going to enable that to happen quicker and better and that's not far away as a scientist i don't think i've ever asked you this before you probably i'm guessing now i'm projecting my thoughts into you but you probably do not think that there is a life after death i know you understand energy and what happens to it and all that but this is it right i mean i'm giving i'm asking for your personal (laughs) thought i know you don't have data but this is it we live, and then you're dead, and goodbye. That's it. I, I don't think there's a life after death, but I do think we all have a spirit, and that spirit lives on. And it can live on through other people. It can live on through our ideas that other peoples have them up. But we all make a contribution on this earth, and that contribution, that spirit will live on. I don't think we're reincarnated. I don't think there's life after death, but I do believe in our spirit. And that's part of the reason, I mean, I'm positive, is we all have to do things to help others because that spirit, that concept, will continue on beyond us. Do you believe that certain things are genetic that we don't even understand? In other words, maybe this is what you're talking about. This is how we live on. Whenever I would be funny, my mother would say, ah, you got your shtick from your grandfather. He was funny. In other words, the expression was, it's in the blood. Uh, Dr. Agus is a great doctor. We've had generations of scientists in our family. It's in the blood. Do you believe there are certain genetic markers that where your, per- your very personality, you are born with it because it's in your blood. You have a proclivity to be, let's say, a great artist or a great musician because it's in your blood. Or is that a bunch yeah. of horseshit? No, I think no question about it is that we inherit, you know, the ability to be creative. We inherit the ability to do things and many of our cognitive abilities from our parents. A lot of it also we do ourselves, but we certainly bury the ability. People are born, you know, there's no way with my genes I could ever be a great athlete. It just ain't going to happen. Right? I, I cannot run fast. I cannot <laughs> run far. I cannot do much. I'm going to work hard, but I ain't going to get very much. Whereas right. other people are born with that ability. They still have to put in the work. But they're born with that ability. And I was privileged to be born, you know, where I had a curiosity and a family that cared about science and academics. And I, I, I loved books when I was a kid. I read everything. What did your father do for a living? Was he a doctor? My father was a kidney doctor. My grandfather, oh. his father, was a rabbi and a philosopher. So as a kid, I would sit with him and he would read me books. My grandfather, we would, you know, help with foreign languages. And at the time you're like, oh, this is a pain. I want to be outside. But you look back and that was your formation. Yeah. Do I have to worry about you getting too famous and too successful and too, uh, you know, I like that you're a doctor. I love what you're about. I've, you know, I'm very complimentary about you. I think you're one of the top guys and top thinkers in the world. But I see now with Paramount, is it Paramount Plus or Apple TV where you're on TV? You're on, you're on TV. No, uh, you're no, on I CBS. Mean, You've got your own show now. And I'm concerned. I'm being honest. There's nothing to I worry see. about. The Paramount Plus thing, I did six interviews with people around a health condition. And I just wanted to get the information out there to normalize that. And that's it. It's done. 
um, uh, you know, that CBS stuff scares the hell out of me, and I do it because I'm obligated. You know, I tell the story in the book, and to me, this changed my life, is that, uh, you know, in, in the 90s, I was at Sloan Kettering. I had a lab the size of, you know, this chair I'm on. It was the smallest lab you can imagine. And I had done some work, and there's a knock at the door, and I look up, and I go, like, holy shit, it's that year's Time Man of the Year, a man named Andy Grove, who is the CEO of Intel, created the microprocessor, the chip. And I go, Dr. Grove, what are you doing here? And he goes, uh, I like the science you're doing, but you're a horrible public speaker. I go, well, why does that matter? He goes, your job not just is to do science, but to explain science. And he put 200 talks together in a year where I had to go lab, you know, lab office to office, business to business, and just give a speech. I got a fax from him at the end of the day, where to show up to give a speech. And he forced me to be a better communicator because it's my job to educate. And a lot of doctors, a lot of scientists make fun. Oh, you know, you're on TV. So you're not a real scientist. I don't care. I mean, it's such a privilege and an amazing thing to do to be able to educate people about science and medicine. How could I not do it? Well, I selfishly got worried. I rely on you. I call you all the time because I'm a neurotic and you are very <laughs> helpful to me. You, you are a very soothing guy. You, you, you sit and you explain science to me and I become relaxed. I don't worry so much. And then I see this show, you know, you got Ashton Kutch, Oprah, uh, Howie Mandel, Amy Schumer. I said, oh, God, he's going to get in with these people. He's going to become very successful, very Hollywood. I'm not going to be able to get this guy on the fucking phone. So I, you know, and, and Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, you're talking. I mean, what is her medical problem? Jane Fonda is uh, healthy as, as can be. What did you talk to her about? Well, Jane's public that she has lymphoma now, a kind of cancer. Oh, oh, geez. Um, and she had, you know, a, a, an eating disorder as a young child. And, you know, also the idea of aging gracefully. I mean, what better people than Jane and Lily to talk about? They're still engaged in working at a late age. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, about that concept of aging, I wanted to normalize the conversation. I mean, you know, the, the notion that if you have a disease, I want people to get comfort from others and be able to talk about it. Ashton Kutcher, you know, almost died of an autoimmune disease. And now he talks about it. You know, yeah, what was brother, that? I didn't even know about that. What was his autoimmune disease? Uh, what he, he had a, what we call a vasculitis, an autoimmune reaction against his own blood vessels where he couldn't see, he couldn't hear, and oh his brain God. started to not function. Um, you know, he had a twin growing up, and his twin um, started to get short of breath and had heart failure, needed a heart transplant. Um, and, you know, so we had his brother and him on talking about that. And it's just an amazing thing where these people are so vulnerable. They talked about the most difficult points of their life and do that to help others. To me, is very powerful. So the show isn't about me. It's about them and their stories trying to and bring what was Oprah's problem, Dr. Agus? What is, what is she beefing about? What, she doesn't have any problems. Oprah's perfect. I mean, Oprah does yeah. not have problems. Now, Oprah, right. you know, one of the smartest people and obviously has all the access in the world, but she started to have symptoms and her doctors couldn't tell us what it was. And she looked at her diary. She was going crazy. It turned out it was menopause. And ah. so to explain what menopause was to people and that even Oprah didn't know what was happening and doctors, we, we didn't have a course on menopause and how to deal with it. And so to bring that out to people, I think was really important. And then about how women can be protected from with estrogen from Alzheimer's. And when estrogen goes away, the incidence of Alzheimer's goes up and talking about that connection, I think was very important. So did you put Oprah on uh, estrogen? Um, I was not involved in Oprah's care, but we talked about the fact that she did go on estrogen and what happened with that. I see. 
so, so I'll give you the most difficult question of the morning, and this is tough because you're 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 a fantastic doctor. But now that you're friends with Oprah and you're friends with me, if we were on a boat and the boat was sinking, <laughs> and the boat is sinking, it's going down fast. You have to make a quick decision, as quick as, as quick as a snap. You're going to save you know you save your own life, let's say, because we need you. You got to save me, or you got to save Oprah. Uh, who do you save? You got to save one. In other words, there's no room for uh, for all of us. Listen, you both are amazing people. But Understood. Don't, I love you. Me. You yeah. are my patient. I have an obligation right. to my patient. Thank you. Um, at the same time, we have an obligation to Oprah because she is Oprah. So, so what I do you have, do? What I are you have two do? arms. I'm going to save both of you. No, I know that's I can not do the it. answer. You know I'm what? I'm training. afraid. I'm ready for it. Here's what I'm. The sad thing. I think you would save Oprah. I do. I, I think you'd let me drown. <laughs> I, I do. I don't. I don't know why I feel that, but I just. Uh, anyway, listen. You've written an important book again. I didn't think you had another book in you, but you did. Oh, I'm sure there's even a book after this. This is the last one, Robin. I can't. Is do it sure? Anymore. This was. Uh, it, it took six years to write this. And I'm, I'm very proud of it. And I think they're, they're amazing lessons. Get a little of this. Have you ever had a dog? I know you've got a lot of cats, but have you ever had a dog? She has when she was younger and I've had a dog. So dogs Many sleep dogs. all day. And the reason right. is dogs don't get REM or deep sleep and either do most animals in nature. If they did right in their world, they would be eaten or attacked your first night in a hotel. Or in a new surrounding, you sleep like a dog. You don't get deep sleep. So there's a simple way to hack it. So I use my iPhone as my clock for a couple days before I travel. So I have a visual cue. I bring a pillowcase or a pillow with me. So I have a smell and a sense and a feel. And I get more deep sleep my first night in a hotel. I don't sleep like a dog. It's an amazing observation about how dogs sleep and what we can learn from them. Dogs don't have REM sleep because they sleep so much. No. Well, they sleep so much because they don't have REM sleep, because if they did, they'd be in such deep sleep, you'd go walk right by them and potentially kill them or kill the sheep they're guarding. I see. Wow. Most animals in nature can't get deep sleep because it's just not safe. You know, they always have predators. We wow. don't have predators. Dogs also, you said, teach us to live in the moment. Jump for joy when you're happy. Act affectionately. Friendly. Be friendly even towards strangers, you say. And that's it's an amazing thing. You know, amazing. You have the worst day in the world. You come home and Georgie, my dog, is happy to see me and forgets everything. But why she do so many of us? Me. But why do so many of us close ourselves off uh, from people, from hugs, from all these things? If they're if they are life affirming, why do why as people do we do it? Do we just think it's silly? Are we embarrassed? Why what is the reason we don't seek out more love? From other people, even though it's well, we a lot of reasons. I mean, obviously, today's world, I mean, the Me Too generation, we're told not to touch anybody and to stay away from people, right. um, you know, ask permission, which makes sense. But, but you need to have permission and then do those hugs. But, yeah, we've moved away from that. Everybody is saying you got to be strong yourself. You got to be a fort. You got to be in charge. Don't need any. You're in charge of you. That's all true. But we all need each other. We need to open up. We had three years of, you know, communicating by Zoom and Zoom is hard on the brain, right? We're in three dimensions. And so on Zoom, we're seeing you in two dimensions. My brain keeps looking for that third dimension. So an hour on Zoom is much harder than an hour in person. 
where we have the normal visual cues and we have to go back. We were social creatures. We're made to interact. Even though Howard Stern says he is asocial, he needs those interactions. Um, and I think it's important. I mean, you know it. I still remember when you had your first dinner and you called me afterwards and goes, actually, it was fun. It was interesting. So yeah. there are amazing things that we miss. There is something to be alone, but there are amazing things to being with other people. And clear this up for me. Last question of the morning. The, 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 the COVID boosters, everyone I know is confused. Should we get them every six months or every year? I'm talking to my sister yesterday. She goes, I get one. I'm going to get one every year when I get, you know, my flu shot. Mm -hmm. I, I said, no, you should get it every six months. The COVID booster. What do you, what do you recommend? And what, and what, is there a standard? Okay. So. The first is the COVID booster is very important, this bivalent booster. It gives very potent protection against the current variants that are out there, whereas the original vaccine gave good protection, but not great against the current variants. So we're now on a cadence where the average person in the United States will get a booster once a year, just like the flu shot. So you flu shot, you get the equivalent of a booster, which is a flu shot every year. And together with that, you will get a COVID booster. People at very high risk, that is the extreme elderly, so probably over 75, and people with very uh, significant medical conditions will probably get it on a more regular cadence. But right now, you had that COVID booster in the fall, and probably next fall or this coming fall, you will get another booster. So you're covered now. Your immunity is there. We see it. Both your T cells and your antibodies are primed. So if you did see the virus, you say, hey, I've seen this before because you saw it in your vaccine and your body's immune system is ready to attack it. So you won't get that ill. When you've never seen a virus and you see it for the first time, it takes a long time to get your immune system ready. And that's why you get very sick. I can't believe you wear one of those rings. Is that that ring that tells you how much Is walking that that you do? Thing? And yeah, that my wife yeah, wears that too. She loves <laughs> it. It looks at my sleep. It looks it drives me crazy too. But I like it for especially on the sleep side. How much walking are you doing every day? Not enough. Um, you know, I unfortunately I'm there all day in the office seeing patients and doing things, so I don't walk enough on the weekends. I try to make up for it. Try it in the morning to exercise before work when I can. This morning I was up early on the West Coast to be with you, so it was hard. Um, but not enough. I need to do more. I know I need to do more. By the so way, Doctor, following your own advice. You talk to my wife, she will give you a list of things where I don't follow my own advice. And I hear that list from her on a daily basis. She's amazing, but she collects the list. By the way, Dr. Regis is the man who put me on my favorite food group, Metamucil. I love it. I've, I'm in the middle of writing a song about With Metamucil. Alone, yeah. I don't even know if you know about it. That's how much I love it. You told me to go on. I was like, Metamucil, that's for old dudes. And turns out that's what I am. And I am moving my bowels beautifully. You should see. I'm going to send you a photograph later of what's coming out of me. You, It's fantastic. I'm only eating two crackers a day, though. Is that enough? That's plenty. I mean, the American diet, we've kind of cut down on fiber. And obviously, right. you need fiber. Metazimucil is a quick, easy way to get the fiber we all need. But you certainly can do it with regular foods if you need enough fiber. Wow. Look at what's going on. Uh, a friend of mine says to me, one last question, that he takes nitric not nitrous, nitric oxide sprays to help prevent COVID. Is that some kooky 
thing that people are into? It's is it nonsense? Yes, it's nonsense. It is. Unfortunately, there there are a lot okay. of those things. Whether it be taking zinc, nitric oxide spray, there are many of these different things you can find. There's no secret. You know, viruses happen. Unfortunately. Getting your immunity up with a vaccine is the only way or prior exposure to COVID. Both of them work. They give you immunity, and that's critical. Um, I miss you, Howard. I miss seeing I miss you, you in person. Are you going to restaurants indoors and uh, eating and and uh, just saying, uh, screw it? In other words, I, my wife wants me to go do this. She wants to do it. Should I just do that? Yeah, I mean, I still use caution, right? Uh, I mean, I don't go to I don't go to concerts or crazy things with lots of people jammed together, but I do go to restaurants. I mean, we've had rain in L.A. for the last couple of weeks, which is shocking here, and so I've gone to a restaurant indoors. So I do do it. I'm going to fly to New York next week on a plane. Um, no I'll mask. I I probably will not wear. I got a single seat, so I'm not going to wear a mask. If I were sitting next to somebody, I would. Um, or I, I've done this before. I know it's weird as I ask the person next to me on the plane to take a test and I bring a test with me. Wow. Um, and I've done that. That's before. smart. And nobody has said no. Um, and they respect it and they've been very nice about it, luckily. Um, but I'm afraid. Not, I'm not afraid that, you know, I'm going to die if I get COVID. But if I get COVID, I can't do what I'm going to New York to do. And I have to be indoors for five, 10 days. I can't do the work. I can't see patients and others. So I don't want to get a virus where I can't see, do I what can't... I'm. I can't you I can't figure you out. Like in a way you're being cautious, but in a way you're not. So it's like I, I don't still know wear masks every day when I'm in patients. So right. most of the day I'm wearing a mask with patients. When I'm not, I don't. Um but yeah, we're people in come over your house, now. do you do you test mm-hmm. them when they come into your house? Do you test them? Not no. anymore. No. Not anymore. Wow. Not anymore. I mean I say any symptoms, I don't want you at my house and I ask them, right. Do you feel good? And they go, Yeah, I feel fine. Then I have them at the house. There's some risk, it's minimal. But again, I've got plenty of immunity, um, and I'm okay with that. Do you take your shoes off in the house? Because now they're writing more and more articles about the shit you pick up, literally feces, dog feces, all kinds of stuff, with your shoes. When you walk in, does Dr. Agus take off his shoes and only walk around in his socks? I take off my shoes and I have the coolest pair of slippers. And my kids know when I put my slippers on, it's kind of the fun. I love that. But you yes, like your it's slippers. also... I love my slippers. It's hard to walk around on a hard surface without yes. support in your shoes. I hate so slippers. I have sh- I have indoor shoes. I have my indoor slippers, which are the they're not really slippers, but they're these great almost like clogs I got I found somewhere somewhere. They're awesome. <laughs> Do I need to worry about norovirus? I'm hearing about this now. Am I am I going to get infected? There are certainly viruses. That's a stomach virus, um, and it's around, yeah. and there are going to be lots of those things. But, you know, listen, y- your lifestyle before COVID was lower risk for things. You weren't right. at crazy concerts and interacting with a million people, and it's going to be the same after. We have to take some risk. You're in a medical system where if something happens, we're going to be on top of it, and I'm not worried, but we have to live. Will there ever be a week that goes by I don't call you and say I'm dying? Uh, <laughs> do you think that'll happen? No, because yeah, I love our conversation. It's a, it, yeah, I love uh, talking to you. I feel like and a to nudge, Beth but, and right. to Robin. You all three are amazing. Robin is people. a medical miracle, is she? But should oh, she God, be fasting? I don't like this fasting. I she's wasn't. Into. There was no reason for me uh, not to. Uh, listen to me carefully, Robin. <laughs> I don't know. You know, Dr. So we can learn from the animals on this one, right? uh, Wait a minute. Let him answer the question. Wait, I know that animals fast, number one. They're 
fast numbers of animals. They're fast. Number two, look at my result. It's a miracle. So we as humans are made to eat one, two, or three meals. And you have to choose, stick to that with no snacking in between. Right. Need a time in between insulin and cortisol come down. And then when you're supposed to have dinner time, they go back up again. Those are the stress hormones. When you graze, that is eat throughout the day, bad things happen. I and hate so- that word graze. These maniacs, they think oh. they can't go two hours without a meal. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so glad you just said that. We should eliminate grazers. They have no right to be in our society today. <laughs> I, I talk to people. They go, uh, I'm going to uh, Manhattan. It's an hour ride in the car. I got to bring a snack. I go, get the fuck out of my house. A snack. You can't go an hour without eating. Boy, are you the right man for the job. That's right. No more grazing. No I can't more. believe you associate and with people like that. And mostly what I do is intermittent fasting. I just extend the time between when I finish eating and when I start eating again. You know, you know Robin makes her own yogurt from scratch. She's like Amish now. It's wild. Don't ask what's going on over there. Listen, Robin the other is amazing. Day. Yes, she, yes. she is absolutely amazing. Obviously, she has a health background, so she trained right. in health. Yes. And, uh, you know, I think it shows now. Yeah, she does a couple weird things here and there, and she and I have had weird. our arguments about those. We have those. our arguments. <laughs> yeah, well, and there remember I the time where she comes from. Dr. Yeah. Agus, remember the time I was talking to Robin, and then I snitched oh, on her? God. I called you uh, behind her back, and uh, I said, listen, you got to set her straight she's into some weird shit Uh, don't tell her it came from me i'm like where do you think it came from a bird yes no you you said to me dr eggers dr eggers you said to me don't worry i'm not gonna throw you under the bus i'll call robin and i'll act like it and then then two seconds later you threw me under the bus but i didn't care we saved robin's life didn't we and that's what counts i keep this woman alive listen dr eggers you've done it again i still wonder what would have happened Nothing. Uh, Dr. Agus, you've done it again. Everyone is speaking your name today. You've cleared up so many things. The book of Animal Secrets, Nature's Lessons for a Long and Happy Life, will be available March 7th. Yes, we learned that Robin is thanked before me in the book, but what can you do? Obviously, she's more important. And uh, Dr. Agus comes before an S, that's all. (laughs) <laughs> Dr. Agus says, don't worry, he's not going to Hollywood. He is not, no, uh, you even know though he I hobnobs. Thought, what? I thought maybe you'll just have to do his show. <laughs> He'll get you as a guest. Hell no. I mean, I mean yes. <laughs> well, listen, I'm at his mercy. Whatever he asks me to do, I do. But uh, you know, I'm sequestered. Well, I, you know, uh, listen, I know many of you are on the phone I see for Dr. Regis, but listen, he does, he does even list his, uh, Twitter account, puts his number up there. He says, call him all you want. I mean, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he has time for you. I wish and only let's I do had this, his number. Howard. Yes. Let's set a date when you are going to make your expedition out. Well, I want to go to L.A. and visit Dr. Agus, actually. And, uh, mm-hmm. my, one of my daughters lives out there, and I'm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm hesitating. I got, I got to do long, it, though. I mean, I don't think you're doing that tomorrow. No, oh. we need a dinner out at a restaurant with friends. That's what we're I, trying to get on. My hands are shaking. Give me a break. <laughs> I, I don't know that I can do that. Uh, I'm going to play your theme song, Dr. Agus. Any last words you want about your book? Well, obviously, people should read this. It's important to them. It's important for their lives. 
anything you want to say. You know, that when I was writing the book, you have to put one blurb on the back. And I wanted one. I wanted someone apolitical, right? You know, today, science is politics and all. So I texted one person, you know, I texted Dane Goodall and said, you don't normally do this and you're against it, but will you do it? Because to me, it's so important. Well, we can learn from animals. We can protect them in health. And she said, yes. And this is a yes. woman in her late 80s, and she is a rock star studying these animals. I mean, she's. we told the stories in here about how she helps on parenting, what we can learn from the apes on parenting. And it's an amazing story about we as humans can learn from them on the back. And I wanted one. I wanted someone apolitical, right? You know, today science is politics and all. So I texted one person, you know, I texted Dane Goodall and said, you don't normally do this and you're against it, but will you do it? Because to me, it's so important what we can learn from animals. We can protect them in health. And she said, yes. And this is a woman in her late eighties and she is a rock star studying these animals. I mean, she's, we told the stories in here about how she helps on parenting, what we can learn from the apes on parenting and it's an amazing story about we as humans can learn from them and so Apes I'm are better parents yeah in people. fact uh, i said to my parents one time why can't you be apes and uh <laughs> raise me properly you're oh right my. apes apes do a good job don't they well i mean it's so cool there are three types of parents in the ape world the one parent who doesn't pay attention and their kids can climb trees and get in fights the parent who uh, uh, doesn't let the, key, the kid climb a tree at all and fights who's really on top of the parent, the hovering parent. And then the parent who keeps the kid in their eye when they get too high, gets them down. And when they get in a fight, just when they get hurt, intervenes. Well, the ones who get to do whatever they want, though, kids, those kids have a short life expectancy. Uh-huh. The ones, the parents that hover, they're always followers. And the ones who watch them out of the side of their eye and just don't let them get hurt are the ones who become the leaders. And it's an amazing wow. lesson for us. We have to let our kids skin their knee. We have to let them fail once in a while. We can't just praise them all the time. But at the same time, we can't let them take too much dangers. And that's how you get the optimal result for your kids. It's an amazing lesson. And she's a remarkable individual helping all of us learn from these animals. Let's, uh, of course, listen to the Dr. Agus theme song for Dr. one Agus, second. Dr. Agus, Dr. It's so catchy. I'll tell you what. Oprah never wrote a song for you like I did. <laughs> Very true. Absolutely saved me on that boat. The Book of Animal Secrets, Nature's Lessons for a Long and Happy Life. It's available March 7th. I'm sure you can uh, pre-order and all that. And uh, it's a fabulous book. I, I Take it from me. You learn a lot. Well, from all your books, I've learned a lot. So uh, I'm excited for this. Dr. Agus, thank you so much for joining us today. Good and to now see I'll go- you. And now I'll go hide in my Even house. in Thank 2D, you. yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Robin and Howard. We love you both. And love you. I, I appreciate all you do. That, no one appreciates you more than me. Maybe Robin, but that's it. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Agus. There he is, Dr. Agus, guy who tells you, Robin, that he went to University of Pennsylvania. Princeton and then, was it Princeton first yeah, or University yeah. of Pennsylvania? Princeton first. That's my greatest sadness, that I don't have that kind of IQ. I mean, well, uh, you have your abilities and he has his. He's doing important things. I'm busy watching porn all day. (laughs) Well, I think I'm so glad that you brought up that masturbation thing because I knew it couldn't be real. Wow. I swear to you, Robin, I have read that so many times and I was always embarrassed to ask. BS. 
Who knew? I swear to you, I have been feeling so down because, you know, like yesterday, I would, I said, I better jerk off. I had sex with my wife on uh, <laughs> yeah, Sunday. You're behind, right? You got to catch up. And I, I went, I got to jerk off and I'm rubbing this thing to that lesbian <laughs> porn and nothing's come. Like, I mean, it's like I need a day to reload. And I can't ask my wife to assume a burden of 27 times a month. So, you know, uh, what can I tell you? This was great that I got to speak with Dr. Agus that I. Yes, it had, there is no number even. Wow. Wow. Wonderful so day stop today. Stop that. Stop telling wait. people that. I keep a diary. I'm going to write it in my diary today. Today was the greatest day of my life. I learned I don't have to come 27 <laughs> times. I was, I was rubbing this thing raw. I'm not kidding. Uh, you should see it. Um, but, uh, there you go. It's good news. He's a great guy. Dr. Agus. He's, he's, yeah, my I enjoy him. Yes. We love him. I miss Dr. him too. I mean, yeah, we haven't had a, one of those great conversations where he's yelling at me in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Robin is, uh, you know, I, it drives me crazy. I'll tell you this about Robin. Dr. Agus is so smart about everything. She pushes back sometimes him. And I said, how can you do this? Got to stop pushing back on Dr. Agus, University of Pennsylvania. <laughs> and, um, but she goes, no, I disagree with, I said, disagree. You just better keep quiet and do whatever he says. Once and he said it, to me, I said, okay, you're right. He goes, you mean I actually won the argument? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can't believe he never saw a patient like this. <laughs> you know, I, He's um, so funny. yeah. You're a character. I have to check in with Robin all the time. Make sure she's still breathing. She's arguing. <laughs> Robin. Do not comfort eat as the seasons change. Right. All right, Robin. Well, you don't argue with that, do you? No, I don't argue with anything you say because it's exhausting. <laughs> Robin quivers. Eating vegetables may be good for the mind and the body. Right. All right. Well, anyway, Robin, uh, we'll get together tomorrow. For those of you who are fans of Kiss, the guys are going to yes. come in and do a couple yeah. of tunes for us. Also, uh, we have uh, many. i got to play you Sal the Psychic tomorrow, and we have many other things to discuss. Prevalent. Prevalent, that's correct. And uh, that's it. See you tomorrow. Prevalent. Coming Wednesday. Howard welcomes legendary hard rockers, cultural icons, and rock and roll hall of famers. Kiss. I love these guys. Rock and roll, baby. The rock group Kiss will be here. Only on Wednesday's Howard Stern Show. You